0: Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Golden Balls podcast, our first podcast in a little bit, but it's going to be a really good one. Uh, Later on in the show, we're going to have a guest who uh, demanded to be on the show, a returning guest that demanded to be on the show because he has some things that he needs to get off his chest. Before that, I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about something, uh, a little mini project of my own that I did last year, Uh, kind of as life got busy, I kind of fell apart for a little bit, not really a project, but just something I did for a little bit of fun that you guys will, might remember. Uh, we're going to do that a little bit. Then we're going to have our guest on, who is going to, as I said, has some things he wants to get off his chest. So in, uh, in 2020, as the pandemic hit, we started doing some things, started looking at some things. And one of the things I did is kind of a laugh, half fun, half serious, was to put out a quiz. And I asked people to guess what the top 10 scores were in the different confederations, et cetera, et cetera. A couple people did it. A couple people didn't. That's all good. And I've completely forgot about it. Completely uh, left my mind, you know, out of sight, out of mind. I I did think about it again recently, and I thought uh, I would just take a few minutes and I would talk about actually those questions I asked and the answers to them. Um, And and we would just talk about it. And that way, you know, I think it would be good uh, and fun. I think it'll kind of make people think a little bit. I know that for those of you who did it, uh, found out what your kind of what what your score was, but didn't really know what you got right and wrong. A couple other people didn't necessarily do it, but knew about it. So you just talk about it. Uh, you know, give you guys kind of the answers and make you guys think a little bit about Golden Ball's history. Some names that you obviously know are on these lists and some other ones that are probably going to surprise you a little bit. Um, so I thought that this would be a good time to do that. So to start with, I'm actually going to almost do this uh, backwards compared to um, how, I, how I asked the questions when we did it. And I asked a series of uh, questions. Some were multiple choice, some were fill in the blank, as it were but I thought they were interesting. Some were serious, some uh, maybe a little bit less so. So with that in mind, I am going to start with these questions. The first question I asked was to the nearest thousand, estimate how many total fantasy points have been scored in every tournament we have ever done by every player. This is 14 tournaments. Uh, four World Cups, a couple Euros, a couple Afcons, a couple Copa Americas, a couple Gold Cups, an Asian Cup, and a Confederations Cup. I think that's all twelve off the top of my head. This is not counting the the Champions League, where the teams get into this. Not count MLS's back either, because that was a friendly. They fourteen tournaments. We had some guesses, but the number of points that were scored is thirty seven thousand nine hundred and seventy two total points. Nearly thirty eight thousand points have been scored and tabulated. Uh, over the course of history, you know, we've had some 40 point games. We've had some negative 10 point games, everything in between. But again, all those games combined have totaled up to 38,000. Again, this is not just uh, the players that we've drafted, this is every player that we have do- gotten data for, which includes players we did not draft. Then I asked a simple uh, two, uh, two answer question I said, Who is going to win the 2022 Golden Balls World Cup? Uh, which, uh, which member of the, of the team, uh, or of the group. And again, that's kind of a, when we look at the eight people, that is a 50, 50 split, right? We got the two medums, we got two rebacks, and then we have, um, Manny, Drags, uh, Andy, and Stroke. All trying to, uh, to take care of that. And so, the yeah, again, the question was who is going to, um, Who's going to win? Um, and I believe... Let me look at the, the three people that gave answers. All three said Bloodline. And not everyone who answered the quiz was a Bloodline. So there was even a non-Bloodline person that said, hey, the Bloodline is going to get it done. So, uh, so obviously, a Bloodline is going to win the World Cup, the Golden Balls World Cup. Um. The next question I asked is, what Asian capital city, I'm sorry, what African capital city would Jeff want to avoid visiting if he doesn't want to think about Manny's 2019 AFCON Cup winning goal? And of course, that would be Algiers in Algeria. Uh, He does not want to think about Baghdad's famous, brilliant wonder goal, uh, perhaps the greatest goal ever scored in soccer history. So again, uh, Jeff would want to avoid going to Algiers. Then I asked, "Who would you most like to see have to give Nibs a foot rub?" Um, that of course, a coming in last place and losing to Nibs in the World Cup. Uh, I, I made it a multiple choice with everyone on it. Uh, two people said Manny, which I'm not surprised about. One person said me. Uh, I think Manny's the correct answer here personally, but I also understand why someone would want to see me doing as well. Then I asked a question, should Manny be allowed to participate in the World Cup 2022? The options were yes, no, and fuck no. Uh, Two people said yes, let him in. One person said no, do not let him in. So that's a little food for thought there. Then I said, who's been more successful in the World Cup? I said, uh, Brazil in the 2014 World Cup semifinal or Manny. Uh, Two people said Brazil losing seven to one was still more successful than anything Manny's ever done in the World Cup. What uh, the other person did say Manny was actually more successful than losing 7-1. And I personally think Brazil is the right answer, but, you know. I said, what crime should Kaká have been charged with for his attack on his Ivorian opponent when he got sent off in the 2010 World Cup? This was a check-all-that-apply with four options. I said, um, assault, battery, attempted homicide, and crimes against humanity. Uh, Stroh has some very... Um, some very fond memories of Kaká being sent off in the 2010 World Cup, and obviously the answer here is crimes against humanity, right? Uh, I mean, just a, a dreadful piece of uh, of violence perpetrated by Kaká during that World Cup. Now, the last question I asked was a very special question, and I asked it was a um, it was a, again a many many choices, but everyone still answered the same thing. And the question was, who did Stroh trade? Gareth Bale for prior to Euro 2016, which, which person? And uh, here are the options I gave everybody. The first option was Lionel Messi. Then the second option was Cristiano Ronaldo. Then there was Christian Pulisic, Christian Eriksen, Christian Vieri, Christian Zapata, Christian Tello, WWE star Christian, the Nigerian nightmare Christian Okoye, the song Sister Christian by Night Ranger, Christian Fuchs, and finally, seriously, Christian Fuchs, what the fuck were you thinking? And i like to be I'm proud of everyone. Everyone got this right and said the answer was, seriously, Christian Fuchs, what the fuck were you thinking? All right, so that was the, uh, the lighthearted uh, portion of the program. But then I also asked about the different confederations and which players had scored the most points ever. Um, I had also given a little bit of hints in there as to... Um, what countries they were from. And this was, I mean, honestly, this was very hard, especially for Asia and Africa as North and Central America. You guys are better, obviously, on South America and and Europe, obviously. You know, the names are known a lot more, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But before that, I did want to point out the top five goalies uh, in the world since 2010 uh, and 10. we're not counting 2006 because that was our goalie defense thing but which countries have had the most points in all tournaments uh you know and this is again a more consistency because no matter what the goalies always be there unlike players that retire et etc cetera, etc cetera. in fifth with 178 points in five tournaments we have spain so spain has 178 goalie points number four is portugal in six tournaments they have 193 points uh there's three world cups two euros and the confederations cup number three with 195 was mexico uh, again uh, this is coming from three world cups uh, a copa america two gold cups and a confederations cup so again also uh, actually seven tournaments for mexico then we have the united states with 207 uh, over 5 tournaments, two world cups, a copa america and two gold cups. And I, I it's probably at this point you can assume if you're playing along at home, number 1 is obviously Germany with 283 points over 6 tournaments. Those are three world cups, two euros and their confederations cup victory in 2017. All right, so I did not ask that in the um in the quiz, but I just thought it was interesting enough. So the next first question was in Asia, the top 10 scorers of all time. Now, uh, the tournaments that are relevant to this are the um the world cups in 2010, 2014, and 2018. Obviously, we and we have the Asian Cup in 2019. We also have Copa America uh 2019. Um, as well, because uh, Qatar and Japan participated in that tournament as well. Um, technically, nothing from the Asian Football Confederation. Even though they, uh, in the uh, for the Confederations Cup in 2017, none of the players on the list were part of that tournament, which would have been Australia uh, Australian players. Number ten with 55 points. Actually, there's a tie, but it's, so tied for number nine is. Uh, Japanese forward Yuya Osako, who has two points in 2014 World Cup, 16 points in World Cup 2018, and 37 points in the Asian Cup 2019. Then we have another forward, Iranian Sardar Asmun, who got one point in the World Cup in 2018 and 54 in the Asian Cup in 2019 for 55 total points. Again, tied for ninth with Osako. Moving up in eighth place with 57 points, Uh, is Premier League player Takumi Minamino of Japan, the midfielder, had all 57 of his points in the Asian Cup in 2019. Up ahead, we're going to start seeing some very, uh, you know, again, familiar countries. We have uh, a midfielder, Abdul Aziz Hatem of Qatar, Uh, 63 points. We got 58 in the Asian Cup and five in the Copa America in 2019. Number six, uh, is a player that Manny rode to great success in the Asian Cup in 2019, getting all 70 of his points. Midfielder from Iran, Mehdi Tarimi. Uh, again, he had a very big, big tournament there. Number five, we're going to go back to Qatar, this time a defender with 71 points. We have Bassam El Rawi. Uh, again, Qatari defender, 70 points in the Asian Cup and one point in Copa America, again, for 71. Number four is really the only one that we're really going, actually one of two people, we're going old school here. This is a Japanese player who is a midfielder and a forward in different tournaments with 74 points. Kisuke Honda uh, of Japan, 36 points in the World Cup in 2010, 18 in World Cup 2014, and 20 in World Cup 18. He's the only player on the list that did not play in the Asian Cup in 2019 or did not score points, I should say, if nothing else, uh, that made this list. Number three with 84 points is his countryman defender Yuto Nagatomo, who also played in the World Cup in 2010, getting 17 points. Got 17 as well in the World Cup in 2014, 12 in the World Cup in 2018, and 38 in the Asian Cup for 84 points. Top two are both going to come from Qatar, not surprisingly, having won the Asian Cup. Uh, 89 points is defender and midfielder Boulam Kuki, Uh, 19. In the Asian Cup, 80 points in Copa America, nine points for 89. And perhaps not surprising after his standout, amazing performance in the Copa, uh, in the Asian Cup, with 93 points, Qatari forward Almoez Ali, uh, like nine goals or something insane like that in the tournament, 83 points in the Asian Cup, and another 10 in the Copa America. Again, 93 points is the lead for. Uh, the Asian cup, um, of all the people, I think the highest that anybody got was three. Um, Jordan actually got three of them, right? He got Honda, he got Osaka and he got Minamino. He went very, uh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, I was like, he actually got four because he also said El rawi So, um, yeah, so four out of 10, pretty good for Jordan there. Um, And again, this is hard, obviously, right? Uh, Very difficult question. So we're going to move on to Africa, which is a little bit easier, I feel like. I think the names are a little bit bigger. We've also had more tournaments. Again, we have the World Cup in uh, not only actually in 2010, but we're going to have somebody on this list from the World Cup in 2006, so all the World Cups through 2018. We have two Africa Cup of Nations, and we also have the Confederations Cup uh, for Cameroon, which will show up here. Number 10, a midfielder and a forward from Senegal with 61 points. We have mediocre Sadio Mane, only the 10th best African player in Golden Balls history. Obviously, uh, among the most talented to ever, to ever play. But again, he's only gotten uh, 22 points in AFCON 17, 8 in the World Cup 2018, and 31 in uh, AFCON 2019. So again, 61 points. Number 9, we have a forward out of Nigeria, Odeon Igalu, the igloo man himself, only four points in 2018, but a 60-point performance in the African Cup of Nations in 2019. So he sought in at number nine. At number eight, we have a Tunisian midfielder and forward, I believe another one of Manny's favorites, Wabi Khazri, uh, who got 12 points in AFCON 17, 32 points in the World Cup in 2018, and 27 in AFCON 19. So again, eighth place, 71 points. Uh, we have a tie for sixth place. Uh, this first of those players is going to be a midfielder from Ghana, Andre Ayu, with 72 points. We got six points in World Cup 10, 22 in World Cup 14, including a goal against the United States, 20 in AFCON 17, and 24 in AFCON 19. So very consistent performances from him. Tied, uh, he is tied with a defender from Nigeria, Kenneth Omeruo. Uh, 11 points in World Cup 14, 15 points in World Cup 18, and 46 in the AFCON 19. I believe Gord had him. He scored a big goal in that tournament. Uh, I think it was Gord that had him, and he has 72 points as well. Number five, we have Algerian forward Islam Slimani. Uh, again, 28 points in World Cup 2014, 20 points in AFCON 17, 28 in AFCON 19 for 76 total points. Again, a very good performance by him. Number four, we have our only Cameroonian on the list, and this is defender Michael Nagadu Nagajoui. Uh, 51 points in AFCON 17, 9 points in the Confederations Cup in 17, 18 points in AFCON 19. Again, 78 points total points. Top three, three big mega names in African football. No surprises here. Number three, midfielder and forward from Algeria, Manchester City's own Riyad Mahrez, 81 points. He had 34 in AFCON 17 and 47 in AFCON 19. No World Cup uh, uh, performance for him so far, but again, even then, still third on the list. Second, We have a forward out of Egypt with 87 points. Of course, this is Mohamed Salah, who got 32 points in AFCON 17. He got 14 points in the World Cup in 2018 and 41 points in Africa Cup of Nations in 19 points. And he is 14 points out of first. He will probably, I mean, he will definitely pass the number one player at some point, assuming he remains healthy Uh, at number one. uh, If you're thinking about it, you should probably have this figured out. This is the journeyman. The Ghanaian forward with 101 points, Asamoah Jean, who had 16 points in the World Cup uh, 2006. He had 44 points in the World Cup in 2010. He had uh, 30 points in the World Cup in 2014. He got 9 points in AFCON 17 and uh, 2 points in AFCON 19. Of course, his career is slowly wrapping up, but he is still playing. He is still an active player at 35 years old. Uh, He is in, uh, actually he's back in Ghana. He just actually in the last year decided to go back um, to Ghana. Uh, This is after he spent some time in India. He spent some time in Turkey and China and the UAE and Qatar. I mean, everywhere across after he left Sunderland in 2012, but I mean, honestly, 35. Would it really shock you if he ended up playing one more Africa Cup of Nations? Maybe not. Obviously, the tournament being pushed back hurts. But let's assume his international career may be over. Um, but you know, he and he will get caught by Salah and probably Mares and stuff. But obviously, the uh, for our purposes, the biggest legend of African football to this date. Uh, we had a couple people do pretty well here. Actually, I believe that um, Stroh got six right. He got Mahrez right. He got Slomani right. He got Gian right. He got Ayu right. Um, uh, he did not get Ayu right. He got Igalo right. He got Mane right. And he got Wabi Cosby right. So Stroh did the best. Got 6 out of the 10 there. Moving on to CONCACAF. Um, we're dealing with, again, World Cup's in 20 uh 2006 10 14 18 we are doing with the copa america centenario in 16 we are doing with the confederations cup in 17 for mexico and we are dealing with two gold cups in 2017 and 2019 and you're not going to be surprised to see a heavy number of the people on this list come really from two countries i think eight of the 10 actually come from six of them are mexican alone Uh, and then two Americans and a couple other guys. So let's start with number 10. Again, Mexico had this Confederations Cup run, which also helps as to why they were this high on the list. With 66 points, we have defender Hector Moreno, who got three points in the World Cup in 2010, 14 in World Cup 2014, 11 in Copa America, 16, 15 in the Confederations Cup, 10 in the World Cup in 2018, and 13 in the Gold Cup in 2019. So 66 points for Moreno puts him 10th. Number nine might be one of the more talented players to play during this time period, but again, never quite turned it into fantasy goodness, Uh, partially poor performance, partially injuries. It is the Mexican forward with 71 points. uh, Javier Hernandez Chicharito had 17 points in the World Cup in 2010, eight in World Cup 2014, 16 in the Copa America, 16 in the Confederations Cup and 14 in the World Cup in 18. So consistent pretty much, you know, eight to 17 points everywhere. Again, gets him to 71 in all those tournaments. Number eight is a uh, defender from Jamaica. It is Kamar Lawrence, the former New York Red Bulls and I believe current Anderlecht player. Got 55 points in the Gold Cup in 17. Got 16 more in 2019 for 71 total. Actually, I guess he is tied for eighth with Javier Hernandez, but did it in far fewer tournaments. Number seven, again, we have a tie on the list. We have two players who did all their damage in the Gold Cup in 2019. Uh, They are tied with 72 points. Just one point ahead of Lawrence and Hernandez. And those two players are Christian Pulisic, uh, USA midfielder, and uh, Mexican midfielder Uriel Antuna, who both had amazing tournaments in the Gold Cup. They got 72 points apiece. And again, uh, two players that are young and are definitely in years to come going to uh, work their way up this list for sure. At number five, we have another young player who's going to do some damage over the ter- course of uh, his career in this tournament, in these tournaments. And this is the only Canadian on the list, but it, it's not the guy you might be thinking. It's not Alfonso Davies. It is actually Jonathan David, the forward who got 80 points in the Gold Cup in 2019 at a great tournament, uh, five or six goals and 80 fantasy points in one tournament. And that already puts him at number five on the CONCACAF list. Again, a young player, Canada's still up on the up and up. And so, uh, you know, he will do some damage. Next couple, we have a couple old stalwarts, a couple guys who've been around the block. And the first one is Andres Guardado, the Mexican uh, defender and midfielder, 87 total points, but he has done this over a number of tournaments, 9 in World Cup 2010, 30 in World Cup 14, and negative 4 in the Copa America in 16, bizarrely. 0 in the Confed Cup in 17, 1 in the World Cup in 18, and 51 points in the World Cup in 2019 for 87 total points. Now, the number 3 player on our list got a little screwed. And he got screwed because he played in the 2006 World Cup. But again, he is a defender. So his points were not individual. They were part of the Mexico goalkeeping and uh, defender total. So they do not count. But he still has 90 points. Uh, He is every American's least favorite. It is Rafa Marquez, who got 32 points in the World Cup in 2010, 35 in 2014, 22 in the Copa America 2016, and one point in the Confederations Cup in 2017. Uh, he He has not received any points past that. But again, that gives him 90 points. Number two is the highest ranked Mexican on this list. It is a forward uh, who had a huge Gold Cup last year in 2019, which is why he is on this list this high? It is Raul Jimenez, who uh, got two points in the World Cup in 2014, nine in Copa America 16, uh, eight in the Confederations Cup in 17, and 81 points in the Gold Cup in 19. I believe he was the highest score. And so he is number two. Now, the number one player on this list is an American. He is a player who's been both a midfield and a forward. And maybe it'll seem obvious, but you might not uh, because there's two obvious choices here, which means that one of them obviously wasn't on the list. Uh, The player not on the list, Landon Donovan, did not get over 66 total fantasy points. Uh, Again, uh, he really only had the 2010 World Cup because he did not make the 2014 squad, which is why that happened. So it is Clint Dempsey with 151 um, fantasy points. 14 in the World Cup in 2006, he had 32 in the World Cup in 2010, 28 in the World Cup in 2014, 46 in the Copa America in 2016, and another 31 in the Gold Cup 17. Obviously the the best performer in CONCACAF history. And again, most of those points coming in the World Cups and a Copa America. I mean, 46 points against Brazil and Argentina and Uruguay and Colombia and all those teams in that tournament. A great performance. Obviously, he scored in three World Cups as well. And while he will probably be passed by Jimenez, he'll be passed by you know Pulisic and Antuna and David down the line. Let's not minimize the impact he has had. Stroh did very well in this one as well. He also got six out of ten. Uh, he got uh, Marquez right. He got Chicharito right. He got Cordato right. He got Donovan. Uh, he did not get Donovan. and He got Dempsey right. And he also got Dempsey right as the number one ever. So he got a double point for that as well. Um, let's move on to the big boys now. And I asked for CONCACAF. I asked for the top 15. Um, I'm not going to do the full breakdown of 11 through 15, but just so to run it down. Number 15 on the list was Uruguayan defender Jose Jimenez with 83 points. Number 14, Chilean midfielder, 91 points, uh, Arturo Vidal. Number 13, a Brazilian forward, only 13 on the list is Neymar, is not in the top 10 as of yet. Uh, Injuries have something to do with that, of course, as he missed Copa America. In 2019. Number 12 on the list is a Brazilian defender. It is Thiago Silva, uh, who just misses out. Number 11 is an Argentine defender with 103 points. A little bit of a surprise to me on this one it is Marcos Rojo, who is not a great defender. So it's interesting to see him on the list. But for the rest of Conway Bowl, again, we have the World Cups in 6, 10, 14, and 18. We have two Copa Americas in 16 and 19. We have the Confederations Cup in 2017 for Chilean players. Number 10 on the list with 107 points. It is Dani Alves, uh, who got 23 points in World Cup 2010. 15 points in the World Cup in 2014, 24 in Copa America 16, and 45 in Copa America 19 when he was named the best player in the tournament. But again, only 107 points. He missed the World Cup in 2018 with an injury, so he did not make it uh, into any higher than 10th. Number nine is another defender, this one from Uruguay, 112 points. It is Diego Godin, who got 13 points in World Cup 10, 25 in World Cup 14, 19 in Copa America 16, 20. Uh, six in World Cup, eighteen and twenty-nine in Copa America, nineteen, so one hundred and twelve total points, tied with him in the eighth spot, but in I uh, one two actually this, in one fewer tournament, uh, no same number of tournaments actually, so tied for eighth. We have a his teammate at the international level, forward Edinson Cavani, who got one hundred and twelve points, as I said, twenty in World Cup twenty ten. 16 and 14 in World Cup 2014, six in Copa America, 16 32 in World Cup 18 and 38 in the Copa America 2019. At number seven, we have another forward. This one from Argentina. It is Gonzalo Higuain who got 50 points in World Cup 2010. Remember, he did score a hat trick in that tournament. 20 in World Cup 14, 48 in Copa America, 16 and only four points in the World Cup in 2018, but still 122 total. Number six is probably the biggest surprise on this list. It is Chilean forward Eduardo Vargas, who got 20 points in the World Cup 14, but got 58 in Copa America 16. He scored seven goals over the span of two matches. Um, And he also got 21 in the Confederations Cup in 17 and uh, 28 in Copa America 19. Again, 127 points. Number five, we have a midfielder from Brazil, uh, is the only other, second uh, is the second and only other Brazilian on this list it is Felipe Coutinho uh, with 132 points. He got 38 in Copa America 16. He got 43 in the World Cup in 2018 and 51 in the Copa America 19 as the number one overall pick. So in only three tournaments, he is still number five on this list. Great for him. Number four, Chilean forward Alexis Sanchez, who got 12 points in 2010. 24 points in 2014, 51 points in 2016, 19 in the Confederations Cup in 17, and 35 points in Copa America 19. So 141. Just behind, uh, he is just behind the number three player on the list Uh, with 145 points. It is Uruguayan forward Luis Suarez, who got 56 points in the World Cup in 2010. 26 points in the World Cup in 2014, had a zero in Copa America 16, 33 points in the World Cup in 2018, and another 30 in the Copa America in 2019. Number two on this list is a midfielder who did most of his damage in one tournament, but has still gotten a vote of other points. It is midfielder from Colombia, James Rodriguez, who showed up with 88 points in the World Cup in 2014, followed up with 31 in Copa America 16, only 11 in World Cup 18 as he battled through injury, and 25 in 2019 Copa America. Again, 155 points. He is uh, number one among mortals on the list of Conmebol ball players because, of course, number one is Lionel Messi with 232 Fantasy points as a midfielder and a forward starting in World Cup in 2006 with 19, 34 in World Cup 2010, 51 in World Cup 14, 87 in Copa America, 16, 19 in the World Cup in 2018, and 22 in the Copa America in 19. And he's probably not done, so he will add to his lead. It's going to be hard for anyone to catch this man, right? It's just so many points, so many tournaments. He's been there since the start. And, of course, he is number one. Uh, people did a lot better on that one, uh, obviously, on the list, getting between about 10 right. Not surprisingly there. I'm not going to read them all out. Lastly, we have UEFA. And this is interesting. There are uh, mostly the, the big names that we you should know, but a couple surprises that weak their way into the top 10. I will again read out 15 to 11. Number 15 is David Villa. Uh, Spanish forward, had 103 points. Again, he is uh, pretty much done after 2014. So, uh, you know, did, do, no, fewer tournaments than many below him. Or many above him, I should say. At number 14, we have a defender from Portugal. It is Pepe, who has 104 career points. I'm really hoping he makes at least one more tournament and gets negative points and gets off this list because, fun out, he does not deserve it. At number 13, we have a Spanish defender. You'll hear that a couple more times, of course. With 105 points, it is Jordi Alba. Uh, again, obviously, he's been a mainstay uh, with the Spanish team for years. Uh, I believe since 2012, really. So uh, he has had a good career and is still has room for more. Uh, ahead of him with 108 points at number 12 is Mats Hummels, Germany defender. Of course, a World Cup winner. And his international career uh, might be over, might not be. We'll have to see. Um to see if he can add to his list. And just missing out on the top 10 is another German player. This time it's a forward is Miroslav Klose with 114 points, just one point out of the top 10 at this point. Again, retired younger. We did not get the best of him in uh, in the golden balls in uh, 2002, so he will have to miss out. Starting at number 10, we have our probably the one big surprise on the list, though. Uh, one person actually got this right when they guessed it correctly. It is actually a Croatian midfielder, and it is not Luka Modric. It is not Ivan Rakitic. It is actually Ivan Perisic, who got 15 points in the Euros in 2012, 37 in the World Cup in 2014, 31 in the European Championships in 2016, and 32 in the World Cup in 2018. So three straight tournaments with over 30 points for Ivan Perisic. He got 115 points in four tournaments. Number nine is actually tied with a 115, but only played three tournaments. So he's gonna get the nod. It is a German defender, it is Phil Blom. 29 points in the World Cup in 2010, 32 points in uh, the Euros in 2012, and 54 points in the World Cup in 2014. So 115 points. With eighth, uh, tied for, there are two players tied for eighth. But again, this player has played more tournaments. So he is going to be number eight. It is another German defender it is Jerome Boateng, who got 34 points in 2010, 18 in 2012, 34 points in 2014, 40 points in 2016, and a zero in the World Cup in 2018 with his red card. So he's at 126 points. He is tied, though probably not for long, with a French forward, who in uh, three tournaments has gotten 126 points. It is Antoine Gaviezmann, who got four points in the World Cup in 2014 before going off for 74 in 2016 and 48 in 2018. And again, he he has some time left, so he will most likely uh, move his way up this list. We have two players tied for number five. They both played the same number of tournaments, so it was a true deadlock. We have uh, a... Uh, Dutch midfielder Wesley Schneider with 130 points. This is four points in 2006, 82 in 2010, 12 in 2012, and 32 in World Cup 14. Of course, he is retired, so he is done. Uh, the player he's tied with is also done on an international level, it would appear. It is a German midfielder. It is uh, a very popular name bandied about even today. It is Mesut Ozil who got 40 points in 2010, 44 in 2012, 28 in 2014, and 18 in the Euros in 2016. He did not get any points in the World Cup in 2018. So he is also at 130, and you have to assume his international career is over. It's uh, If you think about it for a minute, you can probably guess the top four at this point. Uh, maybe not the order itself, but uh, we do have a, number of Spanish, a pair of Spanish defenders at number four and number three. Uh, so you can take your guess in your head quickly as to which one of the two is ahead of the other one. And I will tell you that with 131 points at number four is Sergio Ramos, 56 points in 2010, 42 in 2012, 14 in 2014, nine in 2016 and 10 in 2018. Uh, and when we talk about the next player, obviously you guys know who it is, uh, the breakdown, I mean, they're pretty similar except for pretty much one big difference. And, uh, of course, number three with 142 points is Gerard Piquet, who got 55 points in 2010, one less than Ramos. He got 40 points in 2012, two less than Ramos. He actually got a zero in the World Cup in 2014, which is actually 14 less than Ramos. But he scored a big goal in the Euros in 2016. He got 34 points, which is 20. three points more than Sergio Ramos. And again, in World Cup 2018, he got 13 points, three more than Ramos. And so he has an 11-point advantage over his teammate. Uh, Ramos, uh, probably going to start at the Euros. I guess PK could still be starting. I don't know. it would be interesting to see if they run it back one more time. And if they do, they might move up on the list. Who knows? Because number two on the list only has 154 points and has a murky national team future of his own and is a midfielder and a forward out of Germany. It is Thomas Müller who got 48 points in 2010, only three points in 2012, but made up for with his 86-point effort in 2014 for getting 18 in the European Championships in sixteen for a negative one in the World Cup in 2018. So that is why he is at 154 points. Number one, of course, is no surprise. Uh, everyone knows that this guy is number one uh, in the continent, and it is Cristiano Ronaldo. With 223 points, and this is 18 points in 2006, 25 in 2010, 40 in 2012, 30 in 2014, 43 in 2016. Add to that 32 points in the Confederations Cup in 2017, and 35 points in the World Cup in 2018. And he's, I mean, he's not done yet, right? Uh, he, he's uh, Injuries aside, he will be at the Euros uh, trying to defend the title of Portugal. Uh, and there's no bet against him even playing at the next world cup i mean it could be scary to see where his number ends up and i'm just looking at this top 10 list it's a, you know unlike uh, south america where there's a lot of young players this is an older list i mean griezmann probably still pretty young but other than that these are guys who are mostly done so we're going to have to see a new wave of german uh, german italian french players and mbappe Of course, will be chief among them, I'm sure, down the line, getting up on this list. Uh, Of course, it would be the favorite, but many other players as well that are going to attack this list, hopefully, probably by 2022 in that World Cup. Some, I'm sure, by this summer as well. The overall top 15 are obviously 15 guys I have already named. Uh, It'll be just interesting to kind of see. Number 15, we got Jerome Boateng. Number 14, Antoine Griezmann. 13, Eduardo Vargas. 12 is Wesley Schneider. Uh, actually tied for eleven with uh, Mesut Ozil, so those two are tied there. Number ten, Sergio Ramos. Number nine, Philippe Coutinho. Number eight uh, is Alexis Sanchez. Number seven is Gerard Piqué. Uh, number six is Luis Suarez. Number five is Clint Dempsey. Number four, Thomas Muir. Number three, James Rodriguez. And separated by uh, what is it nine points I think right or over time right two thirty two to two twenty three number one right now is Lionel Messi number two uh, number one and Ronaldo number two with two twenty three they both have a confederation tournament this year they both have a World Cup in twenty twenty two hopefully and so <laughs> this race is not over yet you might even peg Ronaldo to finish first so that went on a little longer than I hoped it would but hopefully you guys found it interesting a um, look down memory lane. And again, interesting to think of which players are going to uh, catch up that aren't even on the list, the players that are on the list that are going to catch up and, and do better. Who's going to be number, you know, look at this list and even five years, what's this list going to look like? Um, you know, which players are going to, uh, are going to stay, drop off, et cetera, et cetera. So with that said, We're going to move on after this to our interview, and I promise you, you do not want to miss this interview. Uh, This could be the best one we've ever done, and, and you know we've had some great interviews on this podcast. So after this, we will have our special guest on the Golden Balls podcast. All right, my guest on the show has been a frequent guest but has not been on the show in a while. We got Mike Master and Tawano making his long-awaited return back to the program. Shro, how goes it tonight?
1: Uh, it goes really well. Really good to be back, Jared.
0: All right, so we got a few things to talk about, but when I reached out to you, one of the big things I did want to talk about was the Champions League because after a couple months, next week we finally have the Champions League back in our lives, which means we finally have competitive fantasy something or other Uh, other than watching Jeff and Brian, like, flagulate each other with the Eurobomb, which is all brilliant. But Champions League, it's been a long time we've had it. It's a good time. And we have a race. And we have another super awkward year where we have games being played in random locations. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this stuff, but there are games being played in Hungary and Romania and pretty much all sorts of COVID-related things. we got some teams playing well, some teams playing not well. So I figure we'll just briefly go through all eight matchups and and we'll talk about the fantasy aspects of it and uh, maybe make a few predictions along the way. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. All right. So starting next Tuesday, we have RB Leipzig hosting Liverpool in leg one. Uh, And by hosting, I mean the game is in Budapest, uh, Hungary. Um, All sorts of COVID restrictions there. Uh, For fantasy purposes, we have um, Jordan in the lead, 209 points, and he has Leipzig. And uh, Liverpool is Jeff's one of Jeff's teams. Jeff is tied for second, 25 points behind. And I think that in December when we had this conversation, we would have said that Liverpool is the heavy favorite. But Liverpool has not played really good soccer over the last month. So kind of tell me what you're thinking here, especially. I, I think you probably watch more soccer right now than any of us. So you might have a little extra, uh, little extra knowledge about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, my daily over under is about six and a half hours. I'd say uh, of football watching. So,
0: although let's
1: let's be honest though, Jared, that doesn't necessarily mean I have the most knowledge about things. It means I could just be like playing Candy Crush in the background with it with the game on uh, in the background. But yeah, no, look for, for me. Um, obviously, this is a weird one. Uh, you know, being in a different location. Geez, it's almost as if we're playing you know international football in a pandemic that that something would go wrong like this it's crazy um but but yeah the, actually the intrigue to me in this one is uh I have been super impressed with with Liverpool and the way that they've been able to handle that adversity uh at like as a coach all all I know is I, if I was down to my you know fifth best center back and, you know, like center mids slash academy players slash like random dudes, you know, obviously my teams would be way worse than that. So for them to have been able to do what they've done is really cool. But I'm starting to wonder if there is some trouble in paradise here. Uh, you saw Klopp's post game the other day. He's starting to, you know, get a little snippy with some reporters. You know, players are are. The, 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 I don't know. The dynamic is a little bit different. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical on this one. I feel like Leipzig has everything to gain here.
0: And and Leipzig, I mean, it stands to reason that we all think that Bayern is going to win the Bundesliga again. They're they're seven points up, but Leipzig is in second place they they're in good form they've won three of their last four league matches they're exciting to play against they're difficult to play against and uh, you know it, it's a tricky it's a tricky tie and as you know as you said liverpool is you're right absolutely impressive they've been you know and I, you know i have them in the Eurobomb, so i've been following them and but those last five or six games have just been not not only the results but just like their level of play they're not scoring goals they're as you said, the defenders, I think that, as you said, the, 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 where chickens are coming home to risk, where I think these defenders, they're doing everything they can, but at a certain point, uh, is it enough? And are the new guys that they signed going to be able to kind of integrate themselves quickly enough well right Jared and, and, you,
1: and you can only you, you can only cover the cracks uh you know for so long eventually you know the water comes through and and I think with the Fabinho and Henderson or the uh you know number 47 and above you know like you 23 center backs coming in they can only hold the fort for so long but and and by the way to your point like they haven't been scoring goals either so it's like I think actually the defense has done a halfway decent job of like covering those cracks. But like, but the front three, the the attacking five, they they haven't been able to uh, pull their weight in this. I feel like everyone's got to tighten their belt in this situation. You know what I mean? And the front three hasn't.
0: Okay. So I delving into a little bit, you know, in the predictions, I don't see, I mean, I I don't think Liverpool is going to win in the first leg. I don't know that they're going to draw or perhaps lose, but I think the key here is that, there's a almost a month. There's about uh, let's see, twelve, twenty two days, three weeks between leg one and leg two for these two teams. And so the mm. question is, is that on March tenth, when the second leg is being played, as of right now, still in Anfield, but that is also subject to change. Mm. Will all those will, will those cracks actually be fixed based on the fact that you know some uh, obviously not the long term injuries, but that the center backs that they signed will get into it and maybe. You know, the, the forwards will be in better form. And, you know, finally, like, you'll have Henderson and Fabinho maybe playing midfield again and actually being <laughs> able to, you know, do what they do best. So the question, I guess, for for you and, and for everyone is, is that can Leipzig maybe do enough in leg one that then they can hold on in leg two?
1: Uh, yeah, look, I, I'm no prognosticator, but, but I, I do think that, that Leipzig are going to come out very fast very hard and fired out of a cannon, uh, and, and I think they'll they'll probably put it away uh, in in this first leg because yeah I I, I don't know I, I just don't all, all signs point to no for me for Liverpool they're away these things trend uh, and for me with with Liverpool they've kind of crossed that Rubicon uh, and and I think they're just trending in the wrong direction.
0: So you so gun to your head right now you would lean towards uh, Leipzig advancing to the quarterfinals.
1: I would yes yes.
0: All right. And, well, I think that would be super interesting. It would obviously be uh, very bad for fantasy purposes. It would give Jordan uh, a team that maybe he didn't uh, forecast getting into the quarterfinals, uh, getting there. So we'll look out for that. Also, starting next Tuesday, we have Barcelona and Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, Barcelona is one of Gord's teams. Again, he is tied for second with his son. Uh, we have PSG again, one of Jordan's teams. We're going to. By the way, that's going to be a recurring theme here. Uh, one <laughs> of Jordan's teams in these matchups. Um, and again, I think two months ago and, t- and up till yesterday, I probably thought the same thing about this matchup where I thought Barcelona really has not pulled it together. If they win, it is literally going to be because Messi drags them. But PSG is probably better. And then, as it seems to be the same thing that happens every year, we have a Neymar injury and now he's out. And now I've got to say that my entire opinion on this has entirely flipped.
1: Well, well, right, and to the same point about Barcelona, Jared. Aren't PSG like third in Ligue One right now?
0: Well, they're actually in a battle for the first time in in God knows how many uh in years. But yes, currently they are three points out of out of first place as well. Yeah,
1: all, all, look, all I'm saying that I have there's very little intrigue to this matchup to me, to be quite honest. Uh, there's some good fantasy stuff, but like from a footballing perspective, I don't know Barcelona declining PSG. Is just there? There, uh, I've never liked them. Uh, fair play, but like, uh without Neymar, what are they? I don't know. But yeah, th- this—I don't know. This matchup just doesn't really in- intrigue me that much. It's just, I think it's just going to be two teams on the decline, just like hoping they can get to the next round, just like survive in advance.
0: And for what it's worth, Barcelona hosts leg one, and as of right now, both of those games are supposed to be played in home stadiums. Uh, I-, I agree with you. Um, I think that. Not only have both teams... I mean, even though Barcelona's been better in the league of late, neither... And this is... like It's, it's unreal to actually say this about these two teams. But, like, in, in what I've seen of both of them, it's not interesting to watch. It's not entertaining. It's not fun. And you, and you think about Barcelona for as long as we've been watching pretty much, I don't know, at a high level. And it's like, Barcelona's always been fun to watch. You know, always. They're always exciting. Always right. attacking. And PSG, because of they usually have such a talent advantage and they've always had really good players... Again, always fun to watch. And these teams right now are, are not. And you're right. There's other than as you said, the fantasy implications like I'm not interested in this in the least. Yeah, like, and, and, and you care. could and you
1: could have been like, uh, the Neymar former Barcelona thing, you know, could have been of some intrigue. Now he's out, et cetera. But yeah, now this just seems like two kind of like middling teams that are just hoping to get to, to the quarterfinals. I don't know. I have no interest.
0: Yeah. Um you know, I didn't mention this in the first matchup, but I will mention it here. I actually pulled up the odds to win the tournament. So, not necessarily advance over each other. PSG, uh, as of yesterday, was 13 to 1. I don't know if that's, uh, I think that's without the injury uh, status on there. Barcelona, 18 to 1. <clears throat> um, by the way, Liverpool, bizarrely, 8 to 1 still, somehow, third highest favorites. And that doesn't make sense to me, but well, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I you're think some of these bookies. Different.
1: I think some of these bookies fail to recognize that when one of your starting center backs was actually a recruit for uh, the UNC Tar Heels. Uh, I, I, and Jared, I'm not, not trying to knock your, you know. No, it, it's it, but, it is what but, it is. but the reality is, is they had like a college, a D1 college level center back, like playing for a number of games. Okay, that should reduce your odds yeah. of winning the tournament. But for some reason, oh, it's just Liverpool.
0: Well, I think also it's because if the if you take the odds as being like okay, they they know what people are going to bet. Like people are going to bet Liverpool no matter what. Like people are going to bet Barcelona no matter what. People are like I think more so in soccer than I think in other sports because if you're in like especially on the American markets, it's like what percentage? I, I feel like most legit soccer fans don't bet very often on soccer because they understand the unpredictability of it. Sure. And so you're appealing to people who have a very who are either literal degenerates or like have a very cursory, like secondary knowledge of the game. And so <laughs> Liverpool still sounds good. The only thing I'll say is that um, when you look at the other teams and their rankings on the list, it's like you can kind of understand almost why they're there because you look at this team and that team and that team, you're like, well, wait, they aren't great either. Wait, they aren't great either. There's one team that I think is very undervalued, which we'll get to in a minute. But a lot of the teams I'm seeing are like, well, they look like they're overvalued. So I guess maybe – in a weird way, if everybody's overrated, then somebody still has to be. <laughs> at yeah, that. The top that of no, that that's,
1: that's a great point. I, that, there's probably like two and a half teams that you could really uh, uh, bet on here. Everyone else is right. just a crapshoot. So yeah, so. And, and PSG right, and so, Barcelona are neither of those. So let's move on. No, all
0: right, uh, just quick. Uh, you think Barcelona to advance now, or you still got PSG holding them off? Uh,
1: if and, and I've heard Neymar might be out the second leg as well. Yeah, and I, out,
0: no, I, they say it's a full month at least.
1: Full month, yeah. Then. I don't know. Uh, I, I'd give the, the edge to Barcelona, especially playing at home first. They'll know what they need to do right. in the second league. All
0: right. So again, that would be uh, more interesting for fantasy purposes as the crowd just try and catch Jordan. Next Wednesday, we got two matchups. The first one, I think, is actually a really interesting one. I think it's the opposite of, in many ways, Barca and PSG, where the names aren't, I mean, Juventus is a big deal, but they'll be going to Porto to face, uh, obviously, Porto. Mm. Uh, and again much like you could say Barcelona much like PSG much like Liverpool Juventus is having their worst season in like over a decade uh maybe playing a little bit better of late but you know usually you would say Juventus and Porto it's a slam dunk but is it
1: yeah no definitely not and uh like you know I'll just be up front and say I do not know I mean, Juve is my team, obviously, uh, but but I have not followed Syria. I should say that
0: uh, I should say that you have Juventus and Porto is one of Jordan's teams. Uh, Again, this is
1: yes, (laughs) and I I believe I am actually the front line against Jordan. Isn't that right? Because Jordan's got Porto, and then what's my other team that I need? You have
0: Dortmund, and he has. He has Sevilla, right? So so,
1: okay, so everyone, all six people listening to this pod, right? We're cheering for Juve and Dortmund. Thank you very much. Uh, Although that does not inspire much confidence, does it? Because yeah, we're gonna
0: get to that one in a minute. Yeah, yeah. The
1: the Dortmund one. By
0: the way, by the way, these two these two ties are happening at the same time. Uh, This Uh, this, as it happens, (laughs) these are literally the two on the same day. Like, so we're you're you're gonna get hit with the two hour avalanche of your hopes dying or living.
1: Yeah, it's one of, one of those words Jordan, Jordan either doesn't lose it or wins it in the first leg <laughs> of the round of 16. Sort of yeah. like how I lost the the World Cup with the Uruguay-Brazil thing in the quarterfinals. But yeah, anyway, no, you, look, you, Juve is, I think we all know the, the narrative behind Juve. Uh, I will say to inject my own little personal comment on it, like, I watched them in that Copa Italia uh, second leg semifinal um, uh, against uh, Inter the other day, and I'm just i'm i'm wholly unimpressed by them. I, you know, I, I know he has been out for a little while, or whatever. Uh, you know, McKinney came on as a uh, as a substitute, so I don't I don't know like how much Pirlo was really going for it, especially since they were up you know two one on away goals from the, the it first seems very leg. Little. Yeah, yeah, but 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 also they just have like very little interest in playing. I think they just they kind of are like let's just lock this shit down. Let's not concede many chances and give the ball to Ronaldo and like, and hope that, he, you know, we'll, we'll, he'll get two and a half chances per game. And hopefully he capitalizes on
0: one. Like, is, is that their game plan? I I, I, don't, I, I don't know. As I can tell because I have aventus in the Eurobomb, So I've been paying attention to them. Obviously with McKinney there, I've paid attention to them. Yeah. And that seems to be it. And when you look at it, like, look, I love Weston McKinney. Absolutely. But, the fact that he is so entrusted and has actually become one of the most important players on that team. Immediately showing up there, I think speaks to the overall strategy that Pirlo is going with, which is here is a guy who has who can run for ninety minutes, who's tough in a tackle and can play you know play simple passes and, and doesn't do anything too crazy, and they just put him in the center of the park, let him do stuff, and just play passes to Ronaldo, yeah. play passes to Murata, play passes to like uh, you know. Maybe maybe our tour. And it's just like, okay, like let's just have Ronaldo run at the defense fifteen times a game. Uh he'll get, as you said, two and a half to three, maybe four chances. He'll put a ball on a platter for somebody at least once a game. And if we can win one nothing, two nothing.
1: It's yeah, it's it's gravy. A win a win's a win, and I get that. Like I can only imagine though, like what what are Pierlo's training sessions like? I mean, it's, it's, there can't be anything scientific or intricate about it. It's probably just like put Ronaldo in like a red bib, right? and yeah. there's one, don't, team, don't one, one one team in training shirts? Well yeah, well, like the, the you know, the quarterback thing the or Yeah, yeah, don't touch it. But I also mean like as a target, so you know the other team's in blues, right? The, the attacking teams in just the regular training kits, and he's in red. it's just it's literally like just find the red guy and go after it. That that just doesn't seem like a system or anything. It's it just, I don't know. It's such a whatever. I, I'm not so, impressed with them
0: either. So Juventus is the fourth favorite at 12 to 1. Oh,
1: my To win word. the Champions League. Because they again, have Ronaldo. You know,
0: and again, so, right. And so when I say, <laughs> like, like Liverpool seems overvalued, but, like, Juventus is right behind him. Certainly, I think Liverpool is winning the Champions League before Juventus is. You know, uh, Porto at pretty much 150 <clears throat> to 1, pretty much last yeah. among all teams remaining. Which makes sense, and and uh, you know, Juventus, Juventus is the favorite, and I, you know, I'd pick him to win. But you know, usually, again, I think most years you would see Juventus Porto, and you'd be like, "All right, this is a this is a five-one aggregate." Sure. And I think this year it's like a two-nothing aggregate, which is scary because, you know, if Porto has that one-nothing lead, uh, or you know, heading into the second leg, and they host the first leg, so if they you know if they go into turn. With that lead, it's just kind of like, are they able to throw two bodies at Ronaldo and make somebody else beat them? And can Juventus do it? That's just not the guarantee you would normally expect it to be.
1: Oh yeah, I'll I'll, I'll end it by just saying like I would not count Porto out on this one, and I, I think I think that one's a lot closer than people would would right. think.
0: But I think we both, as we said, I think we both uh, say Juventus to win, though.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, but on on a razor's edge, I think I, I think it's gonna be super close.
0: All right. So concurrently to those two games, we have Sevilla and Borussia Dortmund. Uh, the first leg is in Spain uh, it's Sevilla. Uh, I should say very quickly that uh, the odds currently have Dortmund at twenty eight to one and Sevilla at forty to one to win the Champions League. And uh, Dortmund is uh, a mess. Uh, they are currently tied for sixth place in the Bundesliga behind such luminary sc- sides as Eintracht Frankfurt and Bayer Leverkusen mm. without yep. Kai Havertz. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Sevilla, meanwhile, is uh, in fourth place in La Liga, uh, has won four of their five uh, last five-week matches. So they're of only non-Big you know big Three in Spain. They are currently... Uh, right there as well Uh, and they also signed papu gomez from atalanta who's probably one of the biggest name transfers actually in the winter window in terms of just a quality player and i think sevilla has to be the favorite here
1: Uh, i look i i'd bet on them a hundred percent like people discount how important form is and and that's probably why people end up Betting for Liverpool, even though they're sucking right now, in the same way that Dortmund's favored right now, it's it's because they, they're just taking the brand name, but they're discounting form. And the reality is, is that Dortmund's form is so freaking bad right now uh, that I I'd, I'd put up, I, I'd forget Sevilla, I'd, I'd put up uh, fucking Elche in in the 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 in La Liga uh, against them. <laughs> and I'd probably bet money on them, Jared.
0: Go with go with that 19th place team in La Liga is a, a risky bet, but hey, who knows? Yeah, I just I
1: just don't see it <laughs> happening for Dortmund, and I like I, you know I've I've followed it superficially or whatever, but th- the reality is when when the reports are the reports and the results are the results, uh, you know there's something bad going on in there, and and the players just aren't going to perform when you when you just have this like you know, this, this negative energy or this cancer in the locker room or whatever. And again, I don't care who the opponents are. Like I I focus, like, I don't know if I'm bringing this to the coach thing or whatever, but like as a coach, I just focus very little on the opponents. Like, yeah, I'll do the scouting reports and I'll find their strengths and weaknesses, blah, blah, blah. How can we exploit that? But like, the reality is, is like the most important thing is focusing on yourself and, and doing your own thing. And, and if there's something going on that's disrupting you like that, I, I just don't see it happening.
0: And, and I think the big thing is, is that if you were, you know, when you look at, the, at how you win, how, how does Dortmund win this? Obviously, it goes to Holland and him scoring, you know, two, three, four goals over the two legs, him singularly, you know, taking control. And that is true. And Yeah. Except the only problem with that is that if you look at Sevilla – And, again, they're not a team that's on – well, obviously, Malik is, like, barely on in the U.S. anywhere, period, like, (laughs) anyway. And, of course, when they are, Sevilla is not the the first team. But when you follow Sevilla, if you pay attention, they actually have a defender, uh, Jules Koundé. His name is – by the way, a French defender because they obviously need uh, all the help. Mm. But this guy is, like, the new – Is really, uh, to me, is the next best thing. He's 22 – Uh, He's been fantastic. If you're following the Copa Del Rey this past week, he actually scored against Barcelona, like not on a set piece, like from the run of play, Ah. because he like literally did like a, like give and goes, like all the way down the field and like, literally like just like danced through the entire Barcelona team. But he's also obviously a really good defender. And, you know, it's going to be, I I believe it's going to be his job to keep, you know, Holland off the score sheet. And I don't know that you're going to necessarily shut him down over two legs, but if, your if the path for Dortmund is that our big guy needs to score goals then the team to beat them has to have that center back ready to do it and Sevilla does
1: yeah no fair play um and and that's why yeah i'm i'm good with Sevilla
0: here i'm i'm putting money and on it and again me. bad bad for fantasy but you know again we, if we if we want to be objective about it we have to be willing to say that you know like it, Dortmund's obviously not the wor- they're not the worst team left but like to me they're the least likely team to win it because no team in this tournament is playing worse anywhere. No, I,
1: I agree, Jared. I, I was just trying to reverse jinx right there. You, 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 you know the power of reverse jinx. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. I, don't, I think this might be unjinxable, however. It could, it could be, actually. <laughs> um, but we'll see. Actually, that, that is the reverse jinx. I actually just, I think I did it. All right, so those are the first four that happen next week. And then if we move forward another week, we got our second set of four matches mm. and our, uh that starts off in a couple Tuesdays from now with a couple uh, again I think very intriguing matches and the first one is Lazio versus the defending champions Bayern Munich uh, again I believe as of this recording they is, are both supposed to be happening I think really you know, it's only English teams right now being affected by stadium movements for now Lazio hosting the first leg uh, Lazio I should say is a team who has Lazio Andy has Lazio. We're getting some new blood in there, and Bayern Munich is actually uh, Nabil's team. Nabil sitting in last place with his three teams from the group stage. Oof. Uh, period. Oof. Um, Nibs. So, Bayern Munich is the favorite to win the tournament overall. They are three to one odds. Uh, not surprisingly, Lazio Oof. down there with Porto at about one hundred and fifty to one, but. Uh, well, actually, you know, I would have said Lazio maybe had a chance here. But as I said before, Papu Gomez has just moved to Sevilla. He was their best player. And so uh, I don't know if you've heard, but Bayern wins a lot of tournaments. I,
1: I have, including the, the, <laughs> the Club World Cup uh, just, just today, right? And a uh, question for the host. How much overlap? I think I saw Lewandowski was in there, Neuer, obviously. But, but like, how much is that going to affect uh, their Champions League run right now?
0: I would say not at all because they have that extra week uh, to prepare for it. Mm. Um, I, you know, something that I've really noticed having, you know, done the Eurobond this year and recording all the stats is that, you know, partially as a result of the fact that, of course, with the 18-team week, they played four last-week matches over the course of the season. Mm. But there are a lot fewer weekday matches in the Bundesliga. They have, you know, say what you want about uh, insert German efficiency joke here. But pretty much every week, Germany has one game on Friday, Six games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, like rinse, repeat. Like it is – It is, and then, you know, of course they have the occasional uh, weekday game, maybe like once or twice, and of course they have the League Cup matches. But, you know, I don't think Bayern is going to be all that affected by it. I think their players show up. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, the scary thing that even though this is a couple weeks away, is uh, Thomas Mueller today? I believe was sent uh, was not allowed to play. He tested positive, mm. so obviously you want to hope that that does not run through uh, the th- the team or anything like that. Uh, Jerome Boateng actually was sent home. He had like a personal tragedy, like I guess like his ex, like the mother of his like son was like murdered or something. Like Jesus, like, yeah, literally like out of nowhere. Um, so obviously I don't, you know, I don't. I, I think in a couple of weeks he would probably be back, but playing with a heavy heart. But I, you know. I don't think it's going to hurt them too much, and I don't think Lazio is the team right now that is going to hurt them, despite the fact that they play kind of an unorthodox, different style. I think Bayern's too – they're too solid to fall for it.
1: Yeah, uh, especially – you know, they've got a a reserves team that could probably make it to the quarterfinals of this tournament by themselves. Um, Although uh, Lazio might be – they might be harnessing their Mussolini power, Jared, is that right?
0: (laughs) I, I, you got like you. You kind of do have to feel bad for. But uh, in case you don't know, uh, like Benito Mussolini has a great grandson. He is currently yeah. like just joined like one of Lazio's youth teams, and the interview he gave was pretty much just like, yeah. Can you like try not to judge me on my last name? <laughs> and and like, while I want to respect that thought. If your last name is Mussolini in Italy, maybe you don't want to join Lazio. Like, may, if you're trying to get away from. The your family's fascist history. Yes,
1: and Jared joining and... the
0: most fascist club in Italy is not really a way to make me think that you're not your great
1: grandfather's. Right, and at the very least, you might not want to play a position that is on the right wing.
0: Oh, there it is. <laughs> and I think I'm. Yeah, done. I think, I think that, that's just, probably we saw the, the championship. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I, I don't know how to add a rim shot into the. Yeah. Um, so
1: Bayern threw on this one, right, Jared?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah I think we can safely say that. Um, at the same time, we have, I think, another super interesting match for a number of reasons. We have Atletico Madrid uh, hosting Chelsea. And again, that game is currently scheduled to be played in Romania. Mm-hmm. Um, Atletico cruising to the La Liga title, which I don't think we've said any time. Like, I don't, I mean, not easily, certainly. Even when they won the league a couple times. And we have Chelsea under Tuchel, who is still trying to figure some things out, currently in fifth place in the Premier League. Uh, Is there – I mean, obviously there's a way they can, but how does Chelsea beat the second-best team in Europe right now?
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty simple, Jared. Um, Start Christian Pulisic, and you'll win. Uh, But if Tuchel doesn't hear me on that one – don't start Mason Mount, and then you might win. I I don't know. Yeah, no. I <laughs> all kidding aside. Like Madrid are flying, and I I uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely fancy them to go go through. Uh, Chelsea still need to iron out all the wrinkles, new coach and all. I, actually, I, I, fair play to Tuchel. I think he's come in and, and done pretty well in terms of uh, managing the club and putting out starting lineups, except for, for Christian, to be honest. I, it, and even the Chelsea fans support that statement as well. Um, but, but, yeah, they're, no, they're, they're, I think they're playing good enough. Uh, they, they had a tough pitch against against Barnsley today, you know, still got it out the win or whatever. I think they're in pretty decent, decent enough form uh, that they'll put up a fight uh, but 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 yeah, I don't know. Atletico Madrid—they're just doing Atletico Madrid things right now. I, I, I would I would be uh, hard pressed to bet against them right now.
0: That's that Suarez signing seems a little decent. Not gonna lie.
1: Yes, yes. Uh,
0: and by the way, when I said there was one team that was severely undervalued in this tournament, odds-wise, it is Atletico Madrid. I said Barcelona before, eighteen to one. Both Atletico Madrid and Chelsea are both also eighteen to one. And if you had to pick one of those three teams to win the tournament. I think it is, uh, it's quite obvious. It's Simeone's side, for sure, for sure. And And, and by the way, Jerry, can I uh, just inject
1: a little bit of commentary here about Simeone? I I am just like, just so impressed by the way, especially in the the modern game, when players start to just, they they lose uh, interest in a coach, you know, the cycles are shorter and shorter. You need to change the voice. You need to keep things fresh or whatever. This guy's been there forever. And they're still doing it and they're still achieving uh success and still getting the results. I, I'm 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 super impressed by them.
0: Hey, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think when, you know, even when Arsene Banger finally moved on from Arsenal and we kind of said, Well, this is the end of a guy who's gonna spend fifteen to twenty years, you know, him and Ferguson were like the last two, Simeone's just kind of chugging along there. Yeah. And I mean, just running running La Liga right now. Like and I understand that Madrid and Barca have both taken a bit of a drop, but that but Atletico's I mean, shit! They've given up twelve goals in twenty matches in the league. Uh, you know they they've scored forty two goals, which is second in the league to, behind Barcelona. Uh-huh. Which again, like the the stereotype, right, of Atletico Madrid is oh they're going to win a bunch of games one nothing maybe or maybe a two to one in there. And in two less matches, they scored three more goals than Real Madrid this season, and that's just not like they're it's not only are they winning, but it, like they're playing more expansive football that we're used to seeing under Simeone. He's changed a little bit. I think he's still true to himself, but I think that they've been a little bit more offensive, a little bit more aggressive. He's taking advantage of the fact that for the first time at Atletico, he has a guy like Suarez that is just going to, you know, can score for fun, even, you know, even though he's a bit older. And And I think you're absolutely spot on. I, you know, is there, a, I mean, I, I guess Klopp is, in, and Pepper is still there, but like, I mean, crap, if I'm starting a team from, from the ground up, is anyone better than Simeone to do that?
1: All right. and and you you hit it spot on. It's it's you nailed it. It's uh, staying true to yourself but being adaptive to the modern game, and I think he's done it.
0: And so that would be uh, if Atletico advances, that would be great for Andy, who has uh, him as uh, has Atletico as one of his two teams. It would be bad for Gord uh, again, who has Chelsea in addition to Barcelona. Um, so that is where that stands. So our final two, which will be starting on February the 24th, we have Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, hosting at Manchester City in Hungary. And, you know, it's, an, it's another funny one because when we had this conversation back in November, December, we would have said, oh, you know what? City's the favorite, but they're really not playing that well. And Gladbach's actually been very impressive <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. Bundesliga. And even, though, and even though City's the favorite, right. you never know what, what Gladbach could do. And two months later... Uh, this has got to be obviously the most lopsided of all eight ties.
1: Yeah, I mean, this could potentially be what seven to one, maybe. Munch and Gladbach, Nick won at home or whatever, but sit. I
0: would, I would take that. This is this is my Manchester City versus
1: Jets Gladbach. <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: so I would gladly take a seven to one. Uh, City is second favorites in the tournament at about three plus three eighty. So just between three to four and four to one. Uh not surprisingly, Gladbach is in that 150 to one group with Lazio and Porto. And again, I don't think we really need to I mean, like what? 14, 15 straight wins in all competitions for City, wins. Not, not, no draws. Like, wins. Yeah. <laughs> it's,
1: it's true. It's truly incredible what they've been doing.
0: And De Bruyne's hurt. And other guys have been, and, and uh, uh, Guero's hurt. And Jesus, can't, you know, playing with a false nine. And it's just like, it, it doesn't matter.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, the same thing I said about Simeone, I will say about Pep. Uh, and, and maybe even, even, you know, times two. Uh, you can only imagine what it must be like to be a player for Pep Guardiola just having to hear just that over and over and over. And eventually you get tired of it, but you know, credit to him. Like if he can get these guys to buy in and say like, yeah, I'm going to hammer home the same system. And I'm going to say a lot of the same things over and over. And I'm going to uh, stay true to, to, to myself and the identity of, of of this club and my playing style, you will win trophies. And and for guys to buy into that, that's a super powerful thing. Look, you've yeah, you've got like basically Jared at this point. Forget about Sergio Aguero. Forget about even Gabriel Jesus. Like you can play Ilkay Gundogan or Phil Fucking Foden as a false nine and still still win every game. Like that is incredible.
0: And and it's and yeah, I was about to mention Foden for a different reason, but you're absolutely right. And I was just thinking that if you know if you had said to somebody in August. Of this past of last year, hey, by the way, in the Euros next year, Manchester City is going to have two guys starting for England. you are like, oh yeah, like Kyle Walker and Raheem Sterling. Like, no. <laughs> and the answer it might still be two guys, and it might be Phil Foden and John Stones, yeah. who apparently turned into like Chiellini somehow. Like in the last, like all he had to do was play next to Ruben Dias, and all of a sudden he's like a god at defending. Like, like I, it doesn't. It defies. Like, I don't. I don't know what to say. I'm literally at a loss for words trying to explain how. Like, obviously, City's a great team, and it's not surprising that they're winning the league. But to your point, like, with the guys that are doing it, it it, it boggles them. No, mind. I'm, I'm with you. And you, and you real, said like...
1: Stones, and, and good on them. There is a um, a, a, a pofol or whatever the Players Association is, like, Comeback Player of the Year. If he doesn't win that thing by a landslide, there's yeah, it's, something it's... wrong with the world. Good on them. I love those stories. I really do. And and yeah, that that's a great shout on Stones too. Jeez. All right. So we
0: won't we won't leave any more on that. As we said, I think we both agree that City uh handles it yeah, comfortably. And yeah. we're just with our last <clears throat> uh tie of the round, which is Atalanta and Real Madrid. Uh first leg currently is in Italy, uh, and then the second leg obviously back in Madrid. We have uh let's see, uh, we got Madrid about 16 to 1. We got Atalanta 50 to 1. And lastly, we got Real Madrid is, again, one of the Beal's teams. And we have Atalanta being uh, one of my teams. And, um, yeah, Madrid's been okay. Uh, Benzema's still scoring for fun. But, obviously, by all accounts, it seems like Zidane's going to be done again after this year, like, if he even gets that yeah. far. Uh, it just – and you know Atalanta however is currently sitting in 7th place in Italy uh so they're not too hot themselves so i think Madrid probably gets through this but not because of some great uh perf- you know great ability on their side per se per- yeah
1: no just because they they probably have uh, uh better athletes and and uh, you know, more world-class players than Atalanta. Yeah, I, I was I was really looking forward to this tie, actually, like in theory, Jared, because, you know, Real Madrid is supposed to be Real Madrid. Uh, and Atalanta was supposed to be this team that scores, like, four goals every game or whatever, you know, hell or high water. Uh, and, and then things... Yeah, it just changed. Like Madrid's, I don't know, they're, yeah, this Zidane thing or whatever. And I know Sergio Ramos is out. And, and it's kind of like, yeah, they're just, they become like a middling team to me. And then Atalanta's come back down to earth. You know, they, they peaked. Do you want to call them like a, a, a Spurs, you know, a team that really outkicked their coverage and made it to the Champions League final? Sorry, Andy. But, but yeah, when you have a team that kind of like, you know, punches above their weight, eventually they come back down to their weight. And I, I wonder if Atalanta is that team.
0: And it's funny because, and I think the big difference between Atalanta and Spurs, though I think the comparison's not completely without merit, is that I think we still kind of know what Spurs are going to do from game to game in terms of, like, the results, right? We know, that because, and obviously this is down to to Mourinho as much as anything else, but we kind of, like, there's a a certain consistency to them. I think every week we can just kind of look at the Spurs game and be like, oh, this is probably going to happen and you're not going to be wrong. The thing about Atalanta, though, is on their day, they're still, like, they can do incredible things. Like, and if you even look at since in Jan- since January started, like, you know, they draw at home against Genoa, like 0-0. But then they go to Milan and beat them 3-0. And then they get killed by Lazio at home. And then they go and, like, they play this amazing 3-3 draw with Torino where they're down 3-0 and come back. So, like... Less, I think that the style has been the same for them, but they're just, the you, you need the there.
1: consistency. And I'm not asking them to win 14 games in a row or whatever, or even score four, four goals per game at a clip. It, it's, it's just, you need to be, to, to experience that success, you need to be a bit more consistent. And I, I just don't think they have that consistency.
0: And, and, and in a weird way, like, they've only lost four times in one league all, in uh, uh, Syria all year. They've only lost once since December in the league. But again, they have five draws in there. And it's just – it's not – but they're capable of beating Madrid. Don't don't misunderstand. But you just – you can never bet it because it, they're – you know, because every result is on the table with them. In, 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 in the first leg at home, if they're up 3-0 at halftime on Madrid, you'd be like – yeah, that makes sense. But if they were down three nothing, you could also say, Yeah, that makes sense. And while in the short term, that's you know, again, anything can happen on a on a specific day. It's just not you know, obviously I hope they are the, the the side of them that wins three nothing because hey, like fuck Madrid and again I bottomante, so <laughs> I have right. a selfish motive. It'd be more fun if they win. But I, I certainly couldn't bet you can't bet it.
1: Yeah, like, uh, is that a type of team where, like, irrespective of the grounds and the context and the opponent, blah blah blah? Like, is is win three to one, draw three to one, and loss three to one? I don't even know if that makes sense betting, but you know what I mean. Like, equal uh, uh, bet for for each result. I, I, I
0: mean, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't even know. Uh, you know, I don't check those odds well enough to know that for sure. But it certainly doesn't sound wrong. Like, where you could – like, there's no – you have to keep – if you're smart, if you're, if you're running a gambling site and you're smart, I don't think you're making any result too too far out there because there's too much value. There would be too much value yeah, in it. Yeah. Uh, and, again, Madrid, uh, again, they have to, they've only lost a couple games recently, but they just – they look so bad doing it. Obviously, they had that famous Copa del Rey loss to that, like, third division side or whatever it was, oh, like, where they literally lost to, like, the plumbers and, right. and butchers of <laughs> Alcoyano. Yeah. Uh, then they, you know, they lost another cup match to Atletico. Uh, Atletico Bilbao. Uh, even when they win, it's 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 not pretty. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. They've only scored more than two goals like one time since October. So in the last three months, they've scored four goals wow. once. Yeah. Um, and like for Madrid again, that's just not normal for them. They're used to were you were so used to the standard, that now that the standard's not being met. Um, they could use a guy like Gareth Bale maybe. Too.
1: Oh, um, there it is.
0: Okay. Well, if, so, so if, if Spurs
1: does. can't even use a guy like Bale, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, I think we, we pegged it off. Um, we're obviously going to talk about the Champions League a lot more as we go on throughout the season, especially as it pertains to fantasy. Uh, you want to pick a, a prediction as a, who you think is going to win the tournament? Uh, from here on out, knowing that, of course, the draws can always be super whatever. But you have a prediction as to who's going to actually win the tournament?
1: Yeah, obviously so dependent on the draws. Uh, but, yeah, if I had to, to bet the farm, I'd go with uh, with City. Pep
0: gets it. I, I think I agree with I everything. Mean, it's, it's really hard to say anything but Bayern in so many ways. Like, Of course, the, the consistency and everything else, but... I still think, yeah, you know, as you say, I think City at their best, best is still the best team in the world, and so, or certain so, well, yeah, I, 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 I think so. They're, yeah, they're the of, of course, of sure. Time.
1: And and you're asked basically that question is the same as asking like who would you bet against? And and I'm I'm not right. betting against City. Like I, I'd be fine actually betting against you know your Juve's and and your Madrids and your Liverpools and even your Bayerns. Uh, just because they, they've shown the, the ability to, to falter in, in the last couple of months. Uh, for, for me, yes, yeah, City have just – they're in form. I, I know I keep harping on that or whatever. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put my money on them.
0: And I, yeah, as I said, I agree with you. I think that – I think, obviously, that if somebody were to place a bet on my behalf on Bayern, I certainly would not consider that to be lost money. I think that the best thing that could happen for everyone is that these two teams play in the final. Uh because obviously I think that would make for the you know you want to see the best teams in that game, you want to see the best game possible, so I think that it's it's pretty safe to say that if those two were to face off in the final, that would probably be the from the neutral perspective the most appealing final by by some oh distance. hell yeah but jared um,
1: since since UEFA <laughs> isn't corrupt and because everything is done on a random right. draw right we, we can't necessarily predict oh wait, actually no it 's going to be city Byron in
0: the final that would be lovely. Unless one of them loses to Leo again in the uh, 70s or something (laughs) like their quarters. Uh, Fortunately, Man City does not have to worry about that. All right, so we'll leave the Champions League there for now. Uh, There are a couple more things I want to get to, and this one is actually something that I did not tell you I was going to talk about before this, just to kind of, you know, keep it a little spicy. Um, And that is, you know, we – it, and if when you listen to this, you'll obviously hear it. And everyone who listened to the podcast uh, will have already heard it. Uh, in the first part of the show, I, I went through something by myself. That was something that we had started last year, that we talked about a little bit last year uh, when the pandemic started. But, of course, life gets in the way. And a big thing that we start, talked about was the incidence of calamity. <laughs> and we spent a decent amount of time and we had some podcasts and we talked about it. And, of course, as I think like MLS's back happened and everything else happened. We kind of lost track of a little bit. But I did say that at some point we're going to circle back to it a little bit. And because it is your baby, uh, I think that you are the perfect person to talk to about this. And I want to just spend a few minutes talking about the probably the most contentious in terms of incidents of calamity event that we have ever had uh, at the Golden Balls. And talk a little bit about the World Cup 2014. And uh, again, you don't, you did do not prepare for this. So I know that everything that I ask you or go is going to be kind of off the cuff, but I have the data here so I can say it to you. And then, you know, i you, and I think that knowing you, I think that you have a, a, a well enough uh, grasp of the tournament and the players that you can, you know, because again, we talked about the objective versus the subjective yeah. and the and whole plan was to go over the subjective and I've done that. And so I just want to go from, uh, from eight to one in the standings and say, Hey, this is what happened. And, and, like, forgetting what the numbers say, but let's talk about this as two, you know, humans who watched every game of the tournament <laughs> pretty great. much. Um, <laughs> right? And understand it. And so we have to start with Manuel Ordero, who uh, for the second consecutive time, or I'm sorry, the first of two consecutive times finished in last place. And his one incident of calamity pretty much was, he, you know, that he actually got points, calamity points, for drafting Radamel Falcao. Mm. Mm. And this is where the subjective really comes into it, where he had a knee injury. We knew he almost surely wasn't going to play and he didn't play. And so, yeah, we can say that, okay, Manny took a flyer and it didn't work. But the best part is that what Manny did is he replaced Falcao by picking up off the waiver wire Juan Cuadrado, who finished the World Cup with 41 points. Ah, good. So not only is it not an instant, it is the opposite of calamity. It is like, it is like... Like, can you imagine if they had declared Falcao like fit for the tournament? Manny had kept him, and then there's no way like Falcao, right? Like, there's no way Falcao was all of a sudden going to go off for like four or five goals. He actually could have lost by more. Um, yeah, that's, that's a no, that's, and that's did. a great
1: point, Jared. So he he, w- he was put in a very serendipitous position, right? And uh, I, I I think there's no like uh, causality here, where like. If your player uh, is out due to injury, that they then necessarily, uh, the owner that is, picking a uh, a player who's going to get 41 points, right? The, the causality is that you you have an injured player, now you pick a new player, right? So whether yeah. it's zero to 41 points or anything in between. That's up to the soccer gods or whatever. So I, I wouldn't read too much into that, Jared. I, I can already start to see where you're going with this. You know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll be the passenger on your fun little I, ride I, through calamity. I'm here,
0: no, but... I'm, go- I'm going no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying to even call it a, an instance of calamity it, is almost. It, well, first of all, it's not because we, as you said, we knew Falcao was probably not going to play, <laughs> so there was no unlucky. When they ruled him out, it was like man, he was like, oh gee, I am unlucky yeah. here, like.
1: C- right, calamity so, is uh, oh. is relative, right? Everything is relative. And that's by right. the
0: way, and by the way, per per the points, per the data, this is the second worst thing that has ever happened to me in Manu <laughs> <Manu's> history. And <laughs> yet he crazy. has come, except for that one Afcon or whatever, he has come nowhere in the realm of anything close to anything. Which means that when it comes to World Cups and Euros, he is just that bad.
1: Yes. Well, and I'm sure that's going. To, like I said, I know where you're going with this. The point is going to be like. <laughs> How good of a drafter are you? What, how good is your team in theory relative to the calamity that happens to you? Because what does it matter if you're going to finish seventh and the calamity right. bumps you up to sixth? Who gives,
0: who gives a shit? Yeah. I, 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 I'm with you. Yeah. Right. All right. So seventh place was Jordan with 211 points. He only had one real incident that mm. we want to talk about, uh, which is he had Daniel De Rossi who missed one game with an injury. That game turned out to be a one nothing loss to Uruguay. Italy failed spectacularly in that tournament. De Rossi had zero points in the first two matches. So we can say that safely that that, uh, that injury miss uh, was a zero impact whatsoever, unless we think that Daniela De Rossi was all of a sudden going to go off and score goals against Godin and like peak, like, peak Godin, peak Lugano, peak like Uruguay. Yeah, it's,
1: it's starting to... Uh, and I just had this idea, Jared, uh, t- to... Um... To come to me here, I think Jordan's power rests within Europe, right? He either wins Euro or the European Champions League. Is, does that sound about right? Yeah,
0: so far it has been. Uh, yeah, he did have a good performance in uh, in Copa America in 2019 as well. I uh, didn't win, obviously, but you know had a good showing for himself. He's he struggled at the, on the world stage so far, but you know I think to his credit, I think he's spending spending a lot more time these days than then you know we probably did 6 years ago 7 years oh, of, ago of, of so, that, I'll watch you know, to see no what doubt. happens this and, summer and th-
1: this is by no means a denigration of his ability uh, or a member of of a certain bloodline uh, it's truly just uh, a recognition of a certain pattern which seems to be his um his focus like the the focus of his power seems to lie in europe i don't know just throwing that out there it's
0: almost like it it's it's almost like he does better when portugal does ah well. there you, you might have it <laughs> That might be it. Because as you remember, in 2014, famously, Portugal did not get out of the group because the United States had Yes. Go, America. All right. In sixth place, we had uh Dragon in his first uh I think it was his first tournament period. Uh, you know, not a bad effort there. He had two real incidents of calamity to speak of. Um, again, I'm talking about once the tournament mm. starts, pretty much. Um, you know, he there's a couple guys that um You know, might have been suspended, et cetera, et cetera. But again, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, you know, not, not too serious. We have uh, Maxi Pereira, the defender for Uruguay, was suspended for a game after a red card, uh, which he got in the 94th minute of (laughs) group stage one, um, which is bad luck. Uh, Uruguay beat England in that game two to one. So again, even if Pereira plays, uh, you know, it's unlikely to do too much. Uh, Matt also had, Van Robin Van Persie, uh, missed games, uh, the group stage third on yellow card accumulation. Uh, that was a game where the Dutch had already secured their, their path to the round of 16 and played a reserve squad mostly. So, which means no guarantee Van Persie would have played anyway. Now the big one is Neymar. Of course, Neymar with the famous back injury in the quarterfinals, uh, Against what was Colombia? Yeah, it was,
1: uh, I think it was your defender right. who like need him <laughs> in the back or some shit.
0: So, yeah, he got killed him right, and so he missed the semis and the third place game, of course. And this is probably among all the data we're going to look at, even if it's not the most important, is probably the hardest to analyze because Neymar was averaging ten fantasy points a game. At Brazil fell apart in the semis and final, of course, famously, but is that because of, you know, a lot of people say it's because they couldn't deal with Neymar's injury, that they couldn't, like, you know, mentally cope with it. If Neymar plays, you know, like, what does that semifinal look like? I don't think they beat Germany, but obviously they probably don't take a seven to one.
1: Uh, 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 of course not, Jared. But, and, and his his tide is the thing that lifts all the Brazilian boats, I, I think. And, right. and, and and when, exactly. when you have like literally a group of grown men weeping during the national anthem, holding up his Jersey, you know, to the, the international uh, uh, cameras, you've You've already already lost lost. because what you're saying is we are so, so inextricably tied to this player that we can't win without him. We just can't do it. And so, yeah, they, they they made their, their own bed before they even laid in it.
0: So, so I do believe that, you know, in a perfect world, I think Dragon would have gotten quite a few more points. That said, he finished about sixty points out of fifth <laughs> right, place. Right. <laughs> so um, I'm hard pressed to believe that even Neymar's, you know, even Neymar playing well is probably not making up that difference. But I think this is the first real, you know, injury or, or situation where somebody was actually dramatically, you know, affected by, uh, by that, by that injury, by that situation. Yeah. Um and. In fifth place, uh, the aforementioned three hundred and two points, sixty points ahead of Dragland, was Gord. Um, we had uh, he had a couple guys uh, get hurt. Uh, Diego Lugano, defender for Uruguay, missed a couple games. Um, actually, I guess he he missed three games. I think he got hurt <clears throat> uh, in the first game and then pretty much didn't come back. Uh, and Uruguay got to uh, the quarterfinals. I'm sorry, the round of 16 before they lost to Columbia. Uh, Jose Jimenez replaced him. He got about nine points over those three games. And again, you know, it's impossible to say for sure. We, right, we're not trying to go. I think the key is, we. you know, we have to kind of assume the base level, right? We have to assume that Diego Lugano was not going to score, like, two-headed goals in a match and put mm-hmm. up, like, 30 points. So, But, you know, we can say that maybe, you know, that costs him maybe 10 to 15 points on that one. And again, this also doesn't factor in, well, like, who did the guy you start instead? Like, you know, we, we can go down that rabbit hole forever. But let's let's chalk that down for about maybe 10 points or so. You also had Helder Postiga, forward for Portugal, who got injured into the group stage two against the U.S., missed group stage three against Ghana. Uh, Gord didn't start him when he got hurt, so he didn't actually miss out on that. Portugal didn't advance. Again, we can pretty much chalk that up to a very minimal, uh, minimal impact for Gord's team. So I think Gord got through this tournament relatively mm. unscathed. Here's where it gets interesting because – I finished in fourth place. And as we've discussed on this podcast before, um, my team was absolutely obliterated um, by injuries and uh, bite based suspensions. Yeah, Jared, it's, it's the greatest all sorts calamitous of
1: massacre I've ever seen in my entire life. Like when I was going through this originally and just mining all the data, it, it, it really I, just, I could not, like, I had to double and triple and quadruple check it because I could not believe that someone was screwed. This bad in one single event. It
0: was so bad. Right. And so here's where I guess it. Gets to, you know, it, it, it's tough because this is where the subjective thing really goes crazy. Because it, it, let's start off with the, the Marco Royce injury. This, ha- this is my fourth round pick. Gets like literally like two days after the draft. Gets hurt in training and gets sent home. And, you know, it, it's, it's tough. Um, it, against me, I would say that the player I, re- I replaced him with was Benedict Caudaes, who ended up, of course, starting for Germany, got 45 points, did very well. So you could say, on that level, uh, maybe it didn't cost so much. But again, you, there's this is where, the, you know, we need like the like almost like the the quantum, like the Marvel quantum, several timeline to see like in what timeline where Marco yeah. Royce stays healthy, <laughs> like who else play, who like who, and, and, you know, and this is where it comes down to me, is when you have these teams like Germany, where every single player pretty much on the roster that's going to play is picked every little one of these things affects like four teams, right? Because it's, you know, Gotsi is playing more and uh, uh, Ozil is playing more and whoever, like and these guys are getting more minutes. So those guys are getting more points, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously it would safe to say that if I had Mark Royce um, and and maybe, you know, I, I, I'd I have to look at all the transactions, of course, but maybe I still would have picked up how it is to drop someone else. I don't know. I, I, mean, <laughs> I can't even remember that. You know, what seven years old or seven years ago, Jared was thinking. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, and the other big deal, and this is the gray area. And actually I said, when I, when I took the notes out on this was the other thing was that I actually ended up with a lot of really good defenders in that tournament to the point where I didn't even st- start Ace yeah. in every match, but my midfield sucked as it turns out because like Dia Maria ended up getting hurt, which we'll talk about in a second. So like having, even if like Royce got 45 points, just having like a guy in my midfield to actually get points would have been a massive, massive, massive help. Um, So then we got that. We had the Aguero injury in group stage three, missed the round of 16, missed the quarterfinals, then subbed in after that, didn't start again. Uh, To be fair, he wasn't playing great before his injury. But again, this is a guy who was starting on a World Cup finalist and obviously a guy who's a great striker. So at any given point, he could have gone off, lost some points on that one. Um, Luis Suarez, of course, got suspended for the round of 16. Uh, for a bite, this is a Kiowini bite, right? I can't keep track yes. of his bites. Okay, yeah. Um, and again, Uruguay lost the next match, but does Uruguay beat Colombia with Luis Suarez in the lineup? Maybe, tough to say. Um, yeah, uh, but I, at the same time, again, to go to, to try and play both sides and to be against myself, if you draft Luis Suarez, you can never be shocked that this. Yeah, uh,
1: but but I I, I so you don't get to
0: complain when Sergio Ramos. I, I know,
1: run. I know, and and I always. I hated that so much. Like, I I get that there are, like, certain players that have a certain propensity towards certain things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those things are going to happen. Like, if I'm drafting Sergio Ramos, I'm not saying, like, well, he's going to get two red cards this tournament. I'm saying, like, yeah, there's probably a better chance that he gets a red card than the average bear, but, like, I'm willing to take that risk because this guy is going to get a bunch of clean sheet wins and probably get, like, right. one to two corner kick header goals, you know? like
0: Yeah, so again, not ex- not, yeah, it doesn't make it any less calamitous, but it's kind of like, well, you, you really do get what you pay for. On the other side, the interesting thing about Suarez in terms of the objective uh, instance of calamity and actually counting up points, if you remember, this was when Suarez was the injury worry coming into the tournament. And so he actually was – I drafted him in the eighth round. He's obviously not an eighth-round pick. Like, that was – you know, that's, that's a top yeah, four-round huh. guy who, you know, and, and remember, he. I, I think he didn't play their first game. Then he came back against England. Of course, he scored the two goals. Uh, this is when I invented the cavani Suarez <laughs> duo uh, thing, which I think somehow has been, like, replicated in, like, every tournament, like, since then, where they both played. Oh, yeah. But, like, the I, same I, person ended up, up with like, both of them. For sure. <laughs> I know you've done it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So again, uh, so you know that hurts there, and then finally, uh, I had let's see here, uh, the Di Maria injury as well. He got injured in the quarterfinal and missed the last two games. Uh, he had thirty three points in the previous two matches before he got hurt. Uh, he scored the game winner in extra time against Switzerland, and again, um, again, the, the 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 trickle down effect is Argentina did not score another goal. I after Di Maria got hurt,
1: which which right, which doesn't um, surprise me at all, given Argentina's argentinian ness and right. right and and losing a player like that, yeah, that doesn't surprise me.
0: So um, you know, so again, you know, the again as you talked about the the rising tide now with Neymar it was more obvious because these guys are mm-hmm. sobbing before the games. Um, but you know, Di Maria stays healthy. Does Argentina win the World Cup? Do they score a couple goals in the semis? Do they score you know whatever like? You know, and, and how does that affect all the people with Argentine players? But again, you know, this is where it, it, it's impossible to quantify, but it's like, fun to just kind of get and go down that kind of alternate universe where, you know, I don't have these four players all have this happen within about six, like, real-time days yeah. of each other or whatever. Yeah,
1: Jared, I- 100%. <laughs> like, And again, I'll, I'll iterate the fact that this was the most absurd thing I've ever seen in terms of calamity ever. And, and second of all, yeah, we, we can't predict, we can't possibly – uh say what woulda coulda should have happened you know w- with all these different things or whatever right. but right i think the reality is is that you have the best case for arguing if these things had not occurred or even if like one or two of them had not occurred like i probably would have done way better than i would have than i did than i did
0: well, I mean, I, and and so and and i ended up i finished 50 points out of first and, and again i'm not it's, I, I by no means think or predicting I would have won, but I do think that, you know, what, even in the world where, like, all that stuff doesn't happen, let's even say we get to zero zero in the World Cup final in extra time, where, you know, you, Jeff, and Andy are all sitting there going, well, if the right guy scores a goal, I can win this thing. I do think at least I'm in that situation where, like, there's four of us now going in the extra time of the World Cup saying, you know, Di Maria gets that World Cup winning goal. Hey. Is that enough to? So I think that it would have been better, you know. It, obviously selfishly, but also just a little bit even more insane than the end yep, of that tournament exactly, Jared.
1: Was. And I think, and I don't want to make this all about me, but you know, this is my baby and all. But uh, no, I... but, but seriously, was this, this was the tournament where Brazil played Mexico, right in that that group stage game? I think it was. Oh, Ocho- yeah, Ochoa, where, uh, was Ochoa on had his head like thirteen saves, saved shit. everything or whatever. Right. Last corner kick of the game, right? Thiago Silva, my guy. Right. It goes up for the corner. And it's like, dude, you finish that ninety nine out of a hundred times. Right. Now, imagine right. what if was... Brazil had won that game one nil. And I'm not just talking about like the, the points, the point difference instead of just a zero zero draw right there. Now I have the fucking center back, the defender with the game winning goal. And now all my guys get clean sheets, etc. So so you. now yep, take yep. those points plus all those little intangibles that you were talking about. I think I have a case, too, in terms of being boosted relative to my position where I ended up. But again, it's, you know, if my mom had a mustache, she'd be my dad type of thing or whatever. I, I don't think I have right. the best case as you. But, yeah, there's all those things. And, so and, and, and I don't want is. people, I, I never want like people to look at it and be like, oh, well, if this ball like deflected out of bounds over here, then it would have changed the course of history. I, no, I don't think anyone's saying that. Like, we all know that these football games are decided by like two or three major monumental moments, right? And like, if those moments go differently, I think you have a case for saying things. Could have changed, and when we're talking about Golden Balls collab, if yeah, and, and that's like saying you have like two or three incidents that don't go your way, you have a pretty good case.
0: And I think the key, as you said, is is the fact that something happens in the 90th minute of a game versus the 15th minute of a game, where you know, if Thiago Silva scores, if that save happens in the 15th minute, you say, "Well, Brazil scores there, but then Mexico inside of a shell, yep. Brazil win that game three nothing." Does Mexico tie it up? Like right? Whereas when of the it's game. the last yeah. kick of the game, as it were. Right, you kind of know there. We're going to talk about Thiago Silva again in a second uh, because there is more on him in this tournament. This is not the only Thiago Silva-related incident in this tournament. Um, So let's move on. Andy finishes in third place, about 24 points out of uh, first place. Um, He has the following instance. He has Marcus Rojo, defender for Argentina, missed the quarterfinal due to a suspension. That is a game, again, they won with a shutout. And and again, it's tough because when a guy gets himself you know, accumulated like two yellow cards, like again, it's not necessarily unlucky. And again, you do know over the, unlike the red card, you can say is unlucky. Like you don't expect a guy to get a red card, but a guy getting a couple of yellow cards over the course of three or four games is of course not the same, but Argentina does get a clean sheet in that match. So if Rojo plays maybe right. that seven points there. Um, you know, Marcelo in the first game of the tournament gets that a pretty unlucky own goal. Um, oh, and, and Andy had him. Again, not only do we lose, the, uh-huh. right, it has him, right, right off the bat. Oh, and not like... only, again, is that the negative three points, but, and, and again, this is what you said, the 90th minute versus the 10th minute, but Croatia never really threatened in that game after that. And so now you're talking about, talking about clean sheets. It's like, well, Brazil should never give up a goal in that match, right? Right? There's no, re- Croatia never did anything in that match. So it's like, well, there's another, you know, 10 points or whatever, go- or, you know, seven points going from, the win and the clean sheet or whatever and all that stuff. So again, there's, there's a situation that's pretty unlucky as well. So again, you could argue that Andy could have had another, you know, 10, 15 points. Again, probably mm. not enough to get in the first, but maybe in the second, certainly. Uh, but again, right there where, you know, again, in that last bit of the tournament, he's right there. And of course, when you have guys on Argentina and all these teams, the butterfly flaps flashes oh, yeah. wings, et cetera, et cetera. You finished in second place, 15 points out. Now, um, Benzema you had, and I believe he missed a penalty for you. So you did lose a couple points there. Um, but the big one actually here is going back to our friend, Tiago Silva. Now Tiago Silva is suspended for the semifinals. So he is actually the, uh, you know, he misses out on the seven to one. And even go, based on what we said about Neymar, like, does Brazil beat Germany? Uh, probably not, but you know, you could have had them there. Maybe, maybe something happens, but I'm still gonna say Brazil loses that match. So that doesn't cost you. But you know, here's where you get a little bit <coughs> lucky if you recall the mm. third place match. Do you remember what happens in the third place match? Uh I do
1: well, Brazil lost, right? Three nil, something like that. Um I yes. do remember David so Luiz got about a, the fourth got, a kick shot on target. That that's about the extent of which I remember. <laughs> So you don't, you
0: don't really remember it in about the fourth minute of that game when, uh, when like, like, some of the best strong safeties before him, Thiago Silva makes a great form tackle in the penalty box as he's the last defender. And, of course, this is still back when triple jeopardy was a thing. and And I think it's pretty well, like, generally accepted that the ref, like, literally just gave him a yellow card because he felt bad. Like, after the 7-1 and, like, what just happened? Like, he wasn't about to send the guy off in, the, like, the fourth minute of ah, the third place match. Yes, yes,
1: County. you're 100% right. It is, it's all coming back to me now. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I love so, on that one. And,
0: and you, that. You, you, you did, yeah, so so there, you, you actually, you, you, you miss out on a, a, a straight red card, perhaps, which could have, you know, actually saved you a couple points. Again, not the biggest uh, deal in the world. But, uh, you know, just I thought if we we're going to throw in all the random little events that could have helped you, I thought it was worth throwing in the one event where you had an incident of anti-calamity because a ref felt bad for Brazil because they were can, like self-destructing right, in front throw of their that own in there, fans. Jared, and,
1: and maybe that cancels out <laughs> the, you know, Tiago Silva goal that should have been scored against Mexico. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But you did mention Benzema. So I'd like to respond to that. If you recall,
0: if you recall, yeah, if you recall I mean, uh, what I am I going to say? Wait, oh, wait, was that in the? T- it was was that in the fourteen World Cup? Is this the one with the no, own goal? This is
1: the one where. Well, this is, is that. The where you with that? So I think it was actually the same game. There was an own goal that should have been oh, attributed to I, him, and if... there was a goal that he scored at the death. I mean, literally at the death. But then it was it was oh, chalked off, okay. off. See, you get again. You caught me by surprise. I'd have to go back and look. Um, but there was I I distinctly remember celebrating in the Metams, uh, uh, uh man cave watching this, I was like, oh, shit, Benzema just scored, like, a banger from 35 yards out, a volley. Ref blew it off. He said, I already blew my whistle. doesn't count. Oh, okay. yeah, I don't, It was either, don't like, last this. group okay. stage there game or, like, round of 16. I'm not sure. It was – they've been winning by, like, three or four goals.
0: It was probably – yeah, I think it was probably the game in Switzerland where they kicked the shit out of every like, without me, because I can imagine a ref just – It sounds like, oh, about right. We're yeah. good here. Um, and then finally, Jeff wins this thing by about 15 points. Um, and the only incident of calamity he had was his 15th round pick, Fabio Cohen trial of Portugal gets hurt in the uh, first group stage in the 65 minute, does not play the rest of the tournament. Portugal gets eliminated quickly. Uh, again, that has, that's, that's a minimal impact uh, on, you know, uh, yeah. on Jeff's team. Again, you want to say that he gets a draw against, uh, the U S and a win against Ghana. Okay, fine. You want to give him like four or five points for that. Um, you know, I'm certainly not going to stand in your way. Um, but, you know, so to your point, you know, about the incidents of calamity and trying to mix the subjective and the object and everything else. But here we have a, a world cup decided by, you know, 15 to 20 points, where whoever scored that last goal was probably going to be the winner. And he has um, pretty much no incidents against him. And the guy who scores the game-winning goal, again, like, is he on the field in the World Cup final in the 110th minute if Marco Royce is healthy? You know, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Again, it's impossible to know. But it is really, like, it's it's an interesting one that, you know, we could probably argue. And I'm sure if Jeff was on this podcast, he would argue – uh, of course you otherwise but and, and, um... and I
1: don't begrudge him of that because you know th- things happen the way no, that no, they happen course. because they happen that way and and I am not it, it like you said it's fun to speculate and everything but the reality is is that he won but yeah I mean dude he literally had no calamity whatsoever I will never take away from Jeff how good he yeah. drafts he's like an exceptional drafter right but there were again as someone who has done all of these incidents of calamity for every single event you might say that jeff does not experience calamity as much as the rest of us
0: and so to your point is is that does he does he know i would like
1: to know that can can he prognosticate uh bite bitings of chialini i i don't know
0: (laughs) again i don't think any of us could not be could not prognosticate (laughs) that to some level um yeah, you know, and, and we're not going to do it now just because of time, but I, I did look at other tournaments. I I, I hadn't finished all these, but I think I got up through 2019 pretty much. And the only other time where I think, uh, you know, we could really do a deep dive into, like, the situations that happened, which I guess we can probably get to at some point, but uh, was the Copa America 2016. And honestly, if we really went down that road, it would literally just be <laughs> you and I, like, <laughs> almost self-like, like, just masturbating because, uh, among the among the World Cup group of Golden Balls participants, only Andy was in that tournament. Uh, Jeff wasn't. Gord wasn't. Right, 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 Jordan yeah. wasn't. Manny wasn't. Dragwan was, not it was you know N- Nabil was in it, and he might you know take a peek at this. But this is where we were you know pulling in some stragglers uh, to, to to make the ranks. Um, this is one where you lost um, you lost by six points, and, and you could definitely make a a very strong argument that you would have won. Uh, had you not been uh, the victim of some calamity uh, for Mm. Chile right there. But that, again, that is another butterfly flaps his his wings. Again, I'm not going to go over the details of that, but, uh, you know, looking past that, the Euro 2016 was, you know, uh, Jordan won very comfortably. There were very few instances that were were impactful. Uh, In AFCON 2017, uh, again, there was very little going on. Um, Nothing that really would have mattered probably. Uh the Confederations Cup definitely didn't have anything. Um I think it also helps when you draft every single player in the tournament. Uh um,
1: ah, that's a good point. Yeah. Where, you
0: know, even if a guy gets hurt right, where if a guy gets hurt or something like that, you have so many guys to make up the numbers, et cetera, et cetera. But again, it was a it was a blowout, so nothing to say about that. Uh we did a four person gold cup in twenty seventeen, which was absolutely <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. And while we were unlucky, but that's when the Gold Cup was still changing players after the group Yeah, What
1: a a nightmare,
0: yeah. yeah, So we're not... um, And really in the World Cup 2018, um, Jeff won comfortably enough and and there was a lot of spacing between everybody. Uh, So again, there was very little, I think that could have happened. You might've been able to finish third instead of fourth. Uh, Probably not. Uh, Andy might've been able to, you know, come in second, probably not. Uh, and of course, Jeff goes running, you know, running away with it. Um, and again, at some point, we've talked about the Gold Cup 2019, where I absolutely, in small tournaments, that was the biggest incident where one person just mm. gets bent over by the soccer gods. Yeah, J- but, but Jared, to, again, to your point, I think there, there are it. a couple, maybe like two to
1: three that that are worth uh, delving into, and and maybe we can we yeah. can target those and and uh, do a specific podcast on those. Yeah, that'd be and fun. we shall.
0: All right. So the last thing before we go, and this is one of the big reasons like this is the epitome of, of wanting to save the best for last. When I reached out to you, it was really I wanted to talk about the Champions League, but I really wanted to talk about something that you had said a couple of months ago when I released the last <laughs> podcast. And, you know, for those of you uh, listening, I'm sure you remember the explosive Manuel Rodero interview where like much like a Republican in, in the Senate, he defended all sorts of inappropriate actions and acted like nothing was wrong. Like nothing, there were no laws broken, no rules broken, and I think that as as the host, I tried to stay pretty uh, pretty objective during the during the proceedings. But I know that uh, when you heard the podcast, that you were you did uh, did not share my ability maybe to hold hold your tongue the same way I did, and you said that you wanted to be able to come on here and counter what Manny said, uh, Manny's defense of his his rather uh, controversial. 2018 last place letter you said you wanted to come on the show and discuss it so i am gonna just i'm gonna sit back i'm gonna stay quiet i'm gonna let you uh provide a rebuttal uh to manuel rodero in his eighth place 2018. well
1: jared i really appreciate you providing me the, the you know the platform and the the space to respond to manny's egregious and can i repeat that egregious um letter of 2018 and then uh doubling and some might even consider it tripling down uh on on the defense of of his letter and i I thought about it for you know a good amount of time and um you know i tried to conjure the words uh for it uh jared but i figured when why would i why would i say what i feel when i could uh, actually sing what i feel um, so if if the pod yeah if the podcast will allow, really? um, I've, I've got a little ditty here that I think might express my thoughts my thoughts as, as best. Uh, well, yeah. I, I
0: I can I can speak for myself saying I would love to hear it, and I think that everyone else would as well. So all right, um,
1: well I'll ask you one question before we start. Are you familiar with a uh, a recording artist named Taylor Swift?
0: Uh, I ha- I'm not too familiar with the music, but I have. Yeah, I she's have got a,
1: a yes. single uh, called "You're Not Sorry." and i i thought that would that would actually fit perfectly here uh for for manny's response so uh yeah this song is uh in the style of you're not sorry by by taylor swift all right started off for you with a chance to show that you would learn your lesson from brazil and maybe you had grown but then you drafted a Teja and you tried to get the rest of spain everybody laughed and rolled their eyes and said to each other here we go again you don't have to play anymore. We won't let you in the draft give a real apology, or we'll give you the shaft, and not a fake tractatus or proposal that is modest like it did before. You're not sorry no you're not sorry, no. You did okay with Costa, the pick, yeah, it got you some easy goals. But cocaine, and Asensio, Silva and Rodrigo, all zeros. And then you start consolidating and trading for Tiago. You're thinking you're a hero, but we know you're Nero. You don't have to play anymore. We won't let you win the draft. Give a real apology, or we'll give you the shaft. And not a fake trektatis or proposal that is modest like you did before. You're not sorry. No, you're not sorry. You're not sorry. No, you're not sorry. take this bridge as an opportunity to tell you that three lines in a postscript ain't no apology you don't have to play anymore we won't let you in the draft Give a real apology Or we'll give you the share. And not a fake tractatus or proposal that is modest like you did before. You're not sorry. No, you're not sorry. You're not sorry. No, you're not sorry. And there you have it. I don't know if that came through, but...
0: Uh, I, I, I definitely came through on my end, and that is, uh, first of all, I would like to point out that a, I have, I literally have bite marks on my like arm right now because I didn't want to like burst out laughing during the song. Um, I, I just, I mean, I really just have to say that I understand that uh, the bar is not always the highest in, in what we've done, but I, I, I believe we have just reached a new level of greatness on this podcast. I, I think that that tw- in episode twenty-four we can say we've had some good ones, but I don't, I don't know that we've ever reached those heights. That's
1: was, oh, I, I pre- yeah, again, I appreciate oh, you giving me the platform, Jared. Uh, w- I'm about, you know, a full bottle of rosé deep here, and, and we've been talking about football and everything. So if, if there was a little bit of this, that, or the other thing there, I apologize. I, I can record a, you know, uh, an actual audio track and, you know, turn it into an MP3 and distribute it to everyone if, the, if they want. You know, it's, it sounds like it's a bit of a jammer, but, well, but yeah, well. hopefully that suffices for the podcast.
0: I mean, as I said, that, 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 whew, I, I I have nothing to say. To that. I mean, that was I think the I think the art speaks for itself. I think sometimes when you it's like the Mona Lisa, like you just can look at it. and You, you don't need to analyze it. You don't need to. It just is there. It's in the weave, and and you know it's greatness. So, um, yeah. Th- I, thank you, Jerry. And
1: and I'm just glad that Manny drafted not just so <laughs> many guys from Spain, but so many guys whose names ended with O. So I was able to.
0: <laughs> yeah, it did. It did like there, there is legitimately a legitimate couple of times where I was like, "There's no way he didn't paint himself into a corner here." And I was like, "Oh no!" Like actually, that yeah, works Asencio, out. You
1: know? Rodrigo, Tiago. It's like, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was, it, it was fun, man. And oh, and man. Uh, Manny, it, I do want to say, um, actually, I, I got my chance to sing, but I, I do want to say, um, yeah, you, you, you need to apologize, man. And uh, th- there's a. Uh, there's a je ne sais quoi of this league, and I I think you know it, um, but there's that Doug part of you uh, that just, whether it's, you know, doubling down or, you know, uh, the backfire effect, whatever, I'm not not sure. Uh, But yes, the reality is the letter wasn't good enough, and you need to follow up. You need to follow up or else there will be consequences to pay. And worse than just my shitty cover of a Taylor Swift song, there will be consequences to pay.
0: Uh, all right. Well, we're going to leave uh, the Manny part there. Um, I mean, we, <laughs> like I always, like I know going in every time, like no matter what, like I know we're always going to go longer than I think we're going to. And, of course, today is no different. Uh, but we've got him in mean, a long time, which is always good. I mean, I don't think there's ever such thing as too long when it comes to these things. Uh, I do want to, uh, before I let you go, uh, and I do, I appreciate all the time you've given me. Uh, I do want to get your confirmation. We have a a full summer. Uh, hopefully, COVID. You know, uh, well, I think at this point, all these places, all these tournaments are going to be played like come hell or high water, uh, which has its own moral implications. But let's presume for a second that this summer we will see a uh, a Euro, obviously, a Copa America, and a Gold Cup. Um, um, are we expecting to see Mike Mash and Tuano in all three tournaments? This Jared, summer? if
1: there were thirty tournaments this summer, I would be doing all of them. I, I'm just looking forward to an excuse to, uh, instead of like drinking excessively and having nothing to do, uh, drinking excessively and having something. <laughs> drinking to do.
0: excessively with something. Uh, <laughs> so,
1: so yes, uh, I, I to answer your question, I am looking forward to this summer more than you could possibly know. No pressure to you or anyone else. Uh, I'm just, I'm just glad to be back after it, man.
0: I do, and I, and I, I, mean, I think I knew your answer because I think, I think we are the only two people that have actually done like every single Golden yeah, it's, Ball it's thing me, that yeah. has happened. Like no matter, like, like, like the dumb Gold Cup stuff and. And, you know, like with the MO, like not you know, MLS is back and every Asia, every AFCON, everything. So, I mean, I think we're, the, we. I think we, at this point, I think we're morally obligated to do every single event, even if there are like an Antarctic <laughs> yeah. like, championship, I think we would have to do it. And then I'm just like, you don't understand, you don't understand the pain I'm going through that they canceled the Oceania, Oceania Cup or whatever. Uh, so we couldn't get oh, back to Federation in this time. I mean, Jared the, the meteor could
1: literally be hurtling towards Earth and I'd be like, We're drafting World Cup twenty twenty three,
0: right? Like <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the last thing you're doing before Armageddon? People are like, I want to be with my family back, like, I have to get the Haitian guy in the twelfth round before if I don't grab a Duncan's in the zone, like steal of the draft before this thing exists. as we know it ends. There you go. We have all failed. All right, well. Um, we are obviously going to have you on again, uh, at some point in the near future. Uh, I, you know, I think at some point, I think at some point what we're going to have to do here is really just get like you, Jeff, Andy, Manny, like we have to get like pretty much like an entire group on at the same time and just let like, and just like have the round table and just like hit record. Like I'm just going to hit record and like yeah. just not talk. I think maybe just like, just literally let you guys go. For as long, like I think these recordings last can last up for two hours and just let you guys in,
1: just hundred you know.
0: percent in. That that
1: that might be for the uh, <laughs> so, the next in person draft.
0: Yeah, maybe because it's it, it so it'll many, it'll happen so plans, eventually, so and we don't want
1: to. You just I don't think you want to do the whole virtual like you know Zoom call thing for uh like a group conversation, right, Jared? So I, I think you want to you want to get us all in person.
0: No, obviously the the, the in person would be ideal. Absolutely. For that. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I've taken up way too much of your time uh, on this evening. I thank you for your your Champions League wisdom. I thank you for your two thousand fourteen World Cup wisdom, and I thank you for your uh, your I would say your your glowing rendition of Taylor Swift uh, at the end there. I really appreciate it. Mike Mashantuano back after a hiatus on the podcast, but certainly not for the last time. Thank Thanks so for having
1: me, Jared. It was a blast. Show.